Yeah. Oh. I don't know why, you guys. I'm on a total Aerosmith kick lately. Talking about things that nobody I know you guys don't tune in to hear me shriek, but you're welcome. (laughs) I don't know why, man. I get in these like phases where I start listening to some band that I used to be obsessed with lately, and then I just can't stop. I can't. I'm. It's well. It's my addictive personality. I cut out one addiction. I go to a new addiction. Now my addiction is Aerosmith, but I feel like it could be worse. You know, Steven Tyler is a legend, man. I'm having a moment, guys. Listen, this is, even now I'm in a weird headspace. First of all, I'm by myself. It's date fails. I'm in my apartment. Um, If you guys listened to last week's episode, which was doubled as Misfit Island, you know that I kind of had like some family stuff come up and I was in a really, really positive, enlightened, I don't know, state of mind. I was doing really great dealing with everything. And actually I still am, but, uh, I think, you know, I, I kind of had that first upswing of positivity and then, you know, you go through, I kind of had a little bit of a a rough weekend just because I started to process things. I was a little kind of Depressed isn't the right word because I'm not depressed about anything because I really believe this is going to sound so like guru-y and like law of attraction and you're going to, you guys are going to be like gross. But I mean, I feel, I feel like things happen for a reason. I really believe that. So I don't feel depressed, but I feel like, um, I went through some of the stages of almost like mourning and I don't know, it was, I, I never, I never really go in and be alone with my problems. I usually reach out to everyone I can talk to, but my new thing has been trying to learn to deal with things, not completely alone. It's great to have a friend, but be able to go in. And it was so bizarre. I was actually talking to Nicole Amy Shriver today, who you guys know, she's amazing. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm back. I feel better. I went for a hike today. I did another podcast. I'm like out of my head. I'm out of my apartment. I didn't sit inside all weekend, but I definitely did not socialize. Like I left when I needed to. And, uh, but it's funny. I told her, I go, I got sick over the weekend and I completely lost my voice. You guys, it was crazy. Because when Aiden came to do the last episode of the podcast, I really, really felt during the podcast, I felt my throat start to like tighten up a little. It was a little sore. And by that night, my voice was gone. I mean, almost completely gone. Uh, I was supposed to have a show the next day. I thought I could power through. But by like two hours before showtime, my throat was on fire. It hurt to swallow and I was emotional and I was stressed out. And I think maybe me and Nicole were talking about like, it could be that I lost my voice because it was the universe or God or whatever higher power you believe in was protecting me because I needed to stay in like my usual thing of going out, doing shows, telling jokes, trying to be funny. What I was going through was too much to fake through that. And so I stayed in 
and uh, I couldn't speak. So I couldn't even really talk to my friends on the phone or talk to people about what was happening. And it was kind of a gift because I didn't, it's never happened to me before that I didn't really want to talk to people. I just wanted to feel everything. But it was kind of beautiful. It sounds so like hippy dippy. I swear, you guys, I'm sober. It's not like I just smoked a joint, but I don't know. I just feel like um, I'm learning how to find the positive in things. And there were positives in all the negatives. Like the negative thing that happened is I found out something about my family that was upsetting. But the positive thing is that it answered a lot of questions and it helped me understand a lot of the way that I deal with different situations in life, especially dating. So I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe sometimes you need to go in. That's what I did. But it's weird right now, even talking on a podcast like today. Um, right now it's nighttime. This podcast is sort of backwards because I'm recording the beginning uh, after we recorded the end because today I went into all things comedy and I did uh, Brody Stevens podcast, Stephen Brody Stevens, who is hilarious. I'm sure many of you guys know him. He, uh, he has a podcast festival of friendship and it's really fun because Brody is all about positivity and Brody has been promoting like the whole positive mindset and like, his whole mantra is just be positive and focus on your positivity and you will get to where you want to be. And that's kind of how I am now. So it was really fun doing his podcast today. It was Tate Fletcher was on, Annie Letterman, Eric Oligny. Um, this guy dropped in named Gino from this company, Speedweed. So we had a really good time. And uh, I'm going to put that episode at the end of my Date Fails episode because I want you guys to hear it. And also you should just like if you're into this new thing that I've been talking about, kind of mental health and like getting well and taking care of yourself and being positive, like you will love Brody. So you have to check his podcast out. Um, before I go any further, I do also have to say this episode of Date Fails is brought to you by Quip. I've advertised Quip before. It's a fantastic toothbrush. Quip starts at just $25. And right now when you go to getquip.com slash datefails, you get your first refill pack free. That's a Quip electric toothbrush. This toothbrush is dope. And you get your first refill pack free at getquip, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash datefails. Woo! Oh my God. So, all right. I actually have dating things today to discuss. There's so much because I, I'm so bummed because you guys, I haven't had sex in three months. Uh, is that accurate? Yeah. Since no, wait, I can't say any swear words for a certain amount of time after my ad. So um, since no penis November, we're going to call it. I'm not sure if D, the D word is a swear word. But since no penis November, there's been no penis in Kate. I'm actually starting to feel re-virginized. I'm, I'm, I think I'm actually start. You guys, I'm worried about my sex drive because I'm not as horny as usual. But it could be because of the stuff I've been going through. But it's freaking me out a little because usually I get a little ravenous, you know. And then, like lately, I don't know. I'm not not even masturbating as much as usual. I'm really concerned, guys. I'm scared that like um, my sex drive is going to disappear if I don't have sex soon. So before the whole uh, like family stuff came up, I had sort of been um, planting the seeds 
of a booty call <laughs> because there's someone who I've hooked up with only a couple times in the past. And listen, you guys, I'm trying not to do the booty call thing anymore. I'm trying not to have the casual hookups. Like I really want to actually like have meaningful sex with someone I care about. Like it's, it's like lame and Mormon as that sounds. No offense to Mormons. If you are one, God bless you. But I, you know, it's not because I don't think casual sex is cool. I think casual sex is awesome if you can do it. It's just for me, it seems if you guys have listened to the podcast for a while, you know, I tend to sometimes get a little nutty when I catch feelings. Like I get obsessive. I text too much. I get insecure. I blow up people's phones. I show up at people's houses and and do like things that aren't recommended, not necessarily bad or illegal and usually deserved, but maybe not the adult, maybe not the enlightened way of dealing with situations. And now I'm trying to be better, but I'm scared that the minute I hook up with someone that I actually like, what if it comes back? Like what if this enlightenment that I'm feeling is because I've been abstinent for a few months? not on purpose. It's just every time I'm excited to look, there was like a guy I was excited to go out with and, uh, and he blew the lead because he wouldn't make plans and then he wouldn't pick up the phone and call. And then there was another guy that I was excited to go out with. And then he apparently had some horrific family trauma also, and kind of like decided he wasn't in a headspace to date, which is completely fine. And probably for the best, because I have a feeling that that would have been one I would have ended up liking. And we already made out years ago. And the sex, I mean, not the sex, we didn't have sex, but like the makeout was so hot that I was like, oh, the sex is going to be fire. Oh, he choked me a little. That's why. Don't choke someone unless they, you know, want it. I'm not allowed to tell you. I'm trying to be very careful of the sex advice I give these days because with everything going on, it's like, don't choke a girl unless, you know, for sure she's into it because there's a lot of people that don't want to be choked, apparently. I thought choking was very popular, but as, as it turns out, I'm realizing that some women don't want you to touch their neck, so we need clear boundaries. I don't know the rules on setting the boundaries or the most hot way to do it because I don't think it's super hot to, like, have a conversation you know, that you're legally bound to about what you like as a part of the foreplay, but there's got to be some way to bring it up, you know, maybe flirty texting. I think flirty texting is a good way to explore someone's boundaries, you know, because you can ask them over, like if you're sexting, if you've gotten to a point where you've like made out, but you haven't had sex yet, I feel like that's the time when you can kind of get into some of the like, Man, that makeout was so hot. Like when you, you know, when you, when your hand was near my neck, like I kind of wanted you to grab it. Like maybe you can hint in that way, you know, or, or something. But like, I feel like you should maybe let the girl lead it slightly, because if a guy gets too sexual with me too quick, it can freak me out. Like he's pushing me for sex. Like if the makeout was hot. I might text him like that makeout was so hot or it's okay if he says that makeout was so hot, but if he's, if he's like too much, too quick, like 
I'm thinking about that make out. My dick is hard. I can't, I can't wait to see that pussy. Like something like that might be a little too much after just a make out, but maybe the girl's cool with it. I guess it depends on what she wants. I tend to try to play coy and not show my, my freak flag too soon. Cause I'm afraid that they'll think I'm always a freak. It's so frustrating because I'm a freak, but I'm a selective freak. I'm an old fashioned freak. Like I will be a freak with you, but first I need you to court me, date me properly, you know, be a gentleman, be sensitive. Like you have to earn it. But then once we get there, then I'm like down for all the freak stuff. It's, you just can't let them see that too soon. Let them see the lady side. I mean, I don't have much of a, I don't wear heels or, you know, honestly, I don't do a lot of things that are ladylike, like pearls or flowers in my apartment or in my hair. I don't know who wears flowers in their hair, but just that seems very girly. By the way, not to change the topic, I started talking to a therapist. Um, I have to give a shout out to my friend, Jim Florentine, who hooked me up with like the best therapist. Um, and I, it's been so helpful already talking to someone. But it's also hilarious because some of the things that he said in our first conversation, like the, one of the first things he told me to do is to have two plants in my house. He was like, do you have any plants? And I'm like, no, I don't have any plants. And he's like, you need two to start. And then if, he said, if you can keep them alive, both of them for six weeks, then we can talk about a pet. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm not allowed to have pets here. And he said, what about a fish, like a goldfish? And I said, well, I don't want to get a fish because one time I had a goldfish and it lived for like a month and then it died and I found out it was my fault. I accidentally killed it, you guys. I killed, the gold I killed a goldfish because it turns out that the, the um, tank that you keep the goldfish in, they need a certain amount of surface space depending on the size of the fish and how many fish are in the tank. I did not know this, you guys. Like, if you buy one of those little circle tanks that only has a little surface space for the water, the, then they don't get enough oxygen and they can die. You can, you can drown your fish. <laughs> and that's what happened. I drowned the fish. I didn't understand why it died. And I started researching and it turned out that I killed the fish. And I cried so hysterically. This is when I was married. I was so upset that I killed the fish that I vowed to never have another pet because I'm afraid if it dies, I'm going to go crazy. And so that's what I told him. And when I said all that, he paused. And then he paused for like 30 seconds. And then he goes, I'm going to have so much fun with you. Like, I think this guy, this guy thinks I'm insane. And he's probably right. He also asked me a few times if I am more attracted to women than men. Like, I think that he thinks I'm a lesbian. This was our first session. So the guy definitely thinks I'm crazy. He knows that I have severe attachment issues and intimacy issues. And he thinks I might be sexually confused. So what's interesting is there are a lot of problems going on here that I didn't even know I had. That's... I feel better from therapy, but I also feel like I might have more issues than I even realized going in. But I mean, it's all going to be fine. Everything is going to be great. Um, I'm going to learn how to stop choosing psychos to date because I'm a little psycho, but 
They're a psycho too. Although my new therapist says you're not allowed to blame anyone but yourself. So like, I'm not allowed to say the wizard was crazy. Like I can only say the wizard is what he is and I chose him. So that's on me. So that's my new thing. It's my fault guys. <laughs> no, I'm not allowed to say fault either. It's no one's fault. Here's what this podcast is going to turn into. I'm going to take my advice from the therapist. I'm going to call him the shaman. I'm going to take my advice from the shaman and I'm going to bring it to you guys. So basically, essentially, I'm a shaman now. Congratulations to me. Um, I'm going to pause here for a second because you guys sent me a lot of questions and we're going to get down to it. All right, guys, here we go. You sent me really good questions. By the way, I don't know why I always tell you that I'm pausing. I say this all the time. And then you don't know that there was a pause. I should add something in the pause, like maybe a commercial. How about if I just do the commercial? Do you guys like that I'm telling you my thought process out loud? This is what happens, by the way, when you podcast alone. I feel like a crazy person sitting alone in my apartment talking to pretend people. Because you realize that when I talk to you guys and I'm by myself like this, I'm actually, I'm going to have to post a photo or a video. I'm actually staring out into the distance as if you're here and I can see you, but clearly you're not. But that's how I make it like I'm talking to you, like you're in the room with me. Like it has to be like that. Like you guys are my people, but there's no one here. So I'm really talking to myself. That's, that is definitely a sign of a crazy person. I'm going to stop calling myself crazy, though, because that's negative self-talk, which is another thing I learned from the shaman not to do. See, guys, how much I'm growing? All right, listen, how about before I do the questions, I will tell you about the quip. If you've been listening for a while, um, I've done quip ads before, and uh, I do lots of ads, but I will tell you that when I when they asked me, hey, are you down to do a bunch of more quip ads? I said, yeah, can I get another one? Because I love my Quip toothbrush. I'm totally being serious, you guys. You have to have, first of all, an electric toothbrush. You just have to. I, for years, I didn't. And once I got one, it just, it, I've never had a cavity since I'm not, I can't say you will never get a cavity, but I've never had a cavity since I got my electric toothbrush. It just does such a better job. And, uh, you know, also, the one that I get from the Quip, it has soft bristles and it's good for my gums. Like I just love it. And it's easy to travel with and there's no cord. And the great thing is Quip starts at just $25. I mean, that's so inexpensive. If you compare it with other electric toothbrushes that are out there, it's insane. You turn it on. It works for exactly the amount of time you're supposed to brush your teeth for. And, uh, it even has a, a little, um, I don't know how to explain it. It has like a little kind of thing on it. You stick to your mirror. So if you want to, you can even just stick the toothbrush right to your mirror. So it's not sitting on your counter. So you don't get that like gross, weird thing you get around the bottom of your toothbrush. So everything about it is so convenient. And like I said earlier, guys, you can get a subscription plan so that they just send you refill brush heads uh, on a dental recommended three-month schedule for just $5, which includes free shipping worldwide. So this is such an inexpensive thing to do for your health. And as I said earlier, of course, because you're my listeners, uh, you get a special deal. So it starts at $25 right now when you go to getquip.com slash datefails to get your first refill pack free with your Quip electric toothbrush. So that first pack, 
you get for free, which is really convenient. That's free at getquip.com, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash date fails. One more time, that's getquip.com slash date fails. So guys, go get one. I mean, you know that I wouldn't advertise it if I didn't like it, and I really love mine. Um, okay, here we go. I love answering your questions. As far as my love life goes, the guy that I was going to hook up with when I was saying that I'm worried about my vagina sealing shut and losing my sex drive forever, um, he doesn't live here, but he came into town. And then when he came into town is right when I got all the bad family news and I had a work thing happen and, and I literally got sick and like, I couldn't have, even if I decided in my depressed state to man up and shave my legs and go try to get some D, I couldn't do it because I had no voice and I didn't want to make this person sick and I don't see him that often. And it's not like we date or anything, but if we are going to hook up, like I'm not just going to be like, Hey, come over and bang me with no talking or kissing or like, I mean, <laughs> a guy would probably do that, but I couldn't do that. So, uh, I had to blow him off. The guy probably thinks that I'm not even into him anymore. He probably doesn't believe me. P.S. I learned a valuable lesson regarding this because there have been times, you know, I have a bad habit of taking things personally at times when it has nothing to do with me. And something that I've been really working on this past year is not taking things personally. For instance, I always get mad if a guy doesn't text me back. Okay, now granted, once your dick has been inside me, I believe there's a certain level of responsibility to each other, some certain amount of, you know, politeness. There's, there's, I think there's a standard of how you should treat someone once you've been inside them. So I think you should answer a text. I don't think you should read a text and then decide you'll answer it later and then post eight things on Instagram and not answer, which sometimes people do. And as, I don't know if guys take it personally, I certainly in the past have been like, oh my God, I cannot believe this person is not answering my text, but is posting. I used to either think they were doing it intentionally or it's like, it wasn't even special enough that they have even thought about me once. And then they looked at my text and either chose not to answer or forgot about it, which is terrible. But I will say this experience made me realize how much sometimes nothing is personal because so many people were texting me the, like over the weekend when I was just going through it and I really just didn't feel like being on my phone. I didn't feel like answering texts. I didn't really feel like explaining and if I said I'm going through something then people say what's wrong and then you feel like you have to explain so I was just not answering some of my friends who I normally answer, or I was just writing back and saying, I'm sick and leaving it at that. And I thought about it today, like how many times maybe when someone doesn't answer and I get, oof, well, I wonder why it's not about me. It's probably not about you 99.9% .9 of the time. So it was a great lesson. God, I feel like I don't want this to turn into like me life coaching you, but like that was a big thing for me because I've tended to get really annoyed about that. And it sometimes, you know, something opens your eyes when someone 
when you end up having a moment where you go, oh my God, this is exactly like sometimes a guy will blow up my phone the way that I've blown up other people's phones. Like sometimes a guy will message me and before I get a chance to get back to them, and I'm talking about someone I haven't even gone on a date with yet. Like sometimes I'll be talking to someone on like a dating app or maybe on Instagram or whatever, and they'll message me and maybe I'll read it, but I'm on a podcast for instance, so I can't reply right away. And then uh, before I'll even get a chance to get back to them, they'll message me again. Okay, then. And they'll like take it personally. And uh, I mean, in the past, I don't know, that would have bothered me, but I'm learning the deal, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get better at everything. I'm trying to get better at life. That was great. That was a good, that was a really good talk. All right, let's do these questions for, for fuck's sake. Here we go. All right, here we go. So I just posted like an hour ago. Um, hey guys, I'm doing date fails. Send me your questions. You guys have been killing it with the questions lately. I think honestly, date fails could just be answering your questions because you guys come up with some of the funniest shit. And, you know, some of these, I think I can actually give good advice. Others, I'm like, I, I'm really guessing, but, uh, it would definitely be fun to like take surveys. I'm going to post some of these and see what the listeners think. Like, okay. Some of these, I'm just going to read all of them. Okay, guys, there's going to be duds. There's going to be good ones. Um, question number one, this has nothing to do with dating. Why did you like my photo? Great question. Um, especially this weekend. There are times when I'm like watching TV or something, I will just scroll through my newsfeed and like photos. Also, sometimes, okay, if you leave me like... Um, a DM that I would like to answer, but I can't because I know most of you won't do this, but sometimes if I answer a DM like one time because someone sends something really nice, that person will not stop messaging. In fact, that's really, really common. Like it happens more often than not, even with girls. And I want to be able to answer you because I feel bad to not answer. I don't want you to think I don't care. But the fact is, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. Like even people that I, that I am friends with on Instagram that I follow, like today when I woke up, I probably had already 35 messages to reply to. That's from people I know. And then on top of that, if I also have messages from followers I haven't met, it's really hard. So sometimes what happens is you'll send me a DM and I'll want to respond. So I'll go like one of your photos or just so you know, too, sometimes you guys send me cool stuff and I want to post it in my story. And I do, but I don't always tag you because if I tag you, it also opens a DM thread. Instagram really needs to have some way where we can answer once. I wish that it did. And then after that, you know, you'd have to ask again. I, that sounds douchey. I mean, I'm sorry. I know, it's, I know it's hard to explain, but when you start getting like 100 messages a day, it's just a little overwhelming. That's all. But 
That's a stu- that was I don't know why I even answered that. That was see that was boring as fuck. This is the problem. I need an editor. I need a. Pro- I think when I do this by myself in my apartment, I need to hire a producer to just sit here. Maybe I'll go get one of the day laborers. That would be so funny if I had a day laborer from Home Depot just sit here. And when it starts to get boring, he's just like, move it along. I don't know what what accent that was. I'm killing it here, guys. Okay. Um, this just says cream pie. Good, t- good talk. Uh, I don't, that's not a question. I'm not even going to address it other than to say I would not recommend it because pregnancy. Like disease doesn't concern me. Children concern me. Diseases are hard. I mean, the serious diseases are hard. I don't want to see now it's going to sound like I'm saying, listen, guys, I'm, I'm not saying don't wear condoms. You know, we all know nobody likes them, but, you know, be responsible, wrap it up especially if it's someone you don't know well. And these days, you just never know. Like, I'm so excited for the next episode of Date Fails. I don't want to give too much away, but something happened over the weekend that was the one gem of shininess in my sea of misery. And it was basically one of those experiences where you bond with another girl over finding out that you both had a bad experience with the same guy. But the story is so epic that I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Like it's so many coincidences that we're both like, this is like fate, like it's insane. But my point is um, you can't trust anyone because both me and this girl like really trusted this person. And then when we started talking, we were like, oh my God, she's like, I need to get, I'm like, I need to get tested. She's like, you do. Like it was, you'll find out. You guys are going to find out. But um, anyway, so the point is wear a condom. And now you guys know that I need to go get tested. That's great. I'm glad I said that. Well, I mean, I got tested right before this person and I haven't had any symptoms. So all right, I'm not doing myself any favors here. I really hope no one that's interested in dating me is listening to this podcast. Okay, um, next question. Is starting a tickle fight a good way to flirt? I would have to say that would be a no because number one, if you tickle me, I will fucking punch you. I hate being tickled. Tickling is, by the way, a form of torture in many countries, an actual punishment. Like, I think that they have tickled prisoners of war. And if they haven't, they should, because it sucks. I mean, they shouldn't, like no one should be a prisoner of war. I didn't mean that anyone, we don't want people to be held captive unless it's for our benefit to save the country or the world. Then tickle torture is a great idea because it's, it's, oh, being tickled is so bad if you're super ticklish. You can't even touch me in certain spots. I'm not going to tell you what they are because I just know one of you will kidnap me and torture me. Um, so I do think, though, that tickling once you're in, like once you've gotten past the point where it's weird to touch someone, like don't go up to a girl at a bar and tickle her. Obviously, that's like a, a Me Too case. Well, not not unless you're her boss, but I mean, that's like a bad, you're not allowed to touch people without permission. That's the rule. But if you're already dating, I mean, I think a little tickling in a flirty way is always fun. 
like for a split second, but don't tort. I used to date a guy who would literally tickle me and it was actual torture. Like he wouldn't stop. Like it sucked. It, I could, it, I hated it, but he thought it was funny, but that's actually mean. I think it's abuse. He was abusive. He really wasn't, but that was, I, I hated that. If you're listening, fuck you guy. So, um, yeah, I'd have to say you can find better ways to flirt, but you know, some people like to be tickled on my playboy TV show. We did an episode on tickle fetish. There are actual people who get super turned on by tickling someone. And there are people that are really into being tickled. So in that circumstance, it's cool. I will. Oh, okay. This is actually interesting. I was into some of the tickle play things that we did on the show. So my Playboy TV show, it was pretty dope. Um, I'm trying to explain. I don't want to insult the show. Like the show could have been amazing had it had a bigger budget, but that's not on Playboy. It's on other people. But it was cool in the sense that we would go uh, explore something in the world of sex that a lot of people might not know anything about. And I would be sort of like the everyman who is exploring it from the viewpoint of someone who's like, holy shit, like people actually dress up as vampires and bite each other and like drink blood. Like there's weird shit going on. I would explore it with the point of view that you guys would have, which is like, this is super weird, but I'm curious. And then I would dip my toe in as far as I could. So when I got season two, I sat down with the producers and they were like, okay, um, here's a list of like 30 options of different things we can explore this season. Pick the top five you want and the top five you absolutely don't want to do. We're shooting 10 episodes. So, you know, we'll try to get at least your top five in. So I picked five I definitely wanted. And there weren't even five that I was totally against. But one I was definitely like, no, was tickle. I was like, you are not tickling me. I hate it. I will kill someone. Of course, that was then their number one fetish they wanted to do. They tricked me. They just wanted me to tell them what I was most afraid of so that we would shoot that. So then I had to do a tickle episode. You can find it somewhere online, but I mean, I forget the name of the guy that came in as like the tickle master, Dom, whatever. But part of that episode was, God, let me think. They they took me, they tied me to a bed. I forget what I was wearing. It sounds a lot kinkier, but I wasn't in even laundry. I think I was in like jeans. I was dressed like normal. And they tickled me, but it was more like sensation play with different things like a feather, uh, beads, not anal beads, pervs, like no one was near my butthole. It was like on my feet, my arms, my shoulders, whatever. They would kind of just 
lightly dust you with things. So that actually felt good. It wasn't tickling, but it's part of the fetish. That I was into. But then they started actually tickling me and that at first I really, really fought it and it sucked. And then I kind of tried to relax into it and it wasn't like the worst thing ever, but it did not turn me on. However, it was a great workout because my whole body tensed up and I had super hard abs the next day. So there's that. You can go find it. I'll try to find a clip of it and tweet it, but that was a super long answer. But we explored a lot of cool fetishes on that show. Actually, I was into knife play, which I did not expect either, which, oh, I wish I could remember the name. There's a dungeon we went to in LA. And you guys, I'd never done any of this stuff before the show. Like I'm from Ohio. I was married 10 years. My ex and I did not, there was no like wild stuff happening in our marriage. So I did not. And then I got the TV show pretty soon after. I, I mean, it was like three years out of the marriage, maybe two years out, two years out, I think. So I hadn't done all this stuff. In fact, the first time I was on a porn set for that show, we did an episode on virtual reality. I had never even been in a room with like two other people that were having sex, which probably most of you haven't, or a lot of you haven't. But now to me, that seems so like, I could walk in a room and there could be two people having sex and I would probably look once, maybe look twice, but I wouldn't even be super weirded out unless they were like gross or had or smelled or like had weird bumps or something, which I've seen also that that is not good. Um, but knife play was cool. There's this thing called, uh, I think it's called a war. I have to look it up. Wardenburg wheel, something wheel. And it's like, it was part of knife play. It, it's something they use to check your reflexes in medicine. It's like a little wheel with little spikes on it, kind of like a spur on uh, on the back of a boot. And they, I mean, you basically just take it and like your partner just like strokes your arm with it or your leg with it. And it's a weird mix of like, it it's, Things a little, but it feels good too. It's bizarre, but I didn't realize there are some erogenous zones I didn't even know existed that that can really kind of get you going. If you guys want to like try some fun new stuff, like go look into that. I mean, I look like shit on the show because I had to do my own makeup, but you can find it and watch some of it. I think it's still on Playboy TV. I don't get the channel, obviously. I've never been able to afford any of the networks that I have anything on, um, but you can. All right, that was a long answer. Good Lord. I might not even have to put, maybe I'll put, you know what I'm gonna do, you guys? I'm going to post Date Fails as its own episode, and I'm going to post Brody's podcast as an episode of Misfit Island as well, because we talked a lot about positivity and mental health and and how the comedy community is a great place for sort of like lost souls so that'll be good all right what is the best way to have a date for under five dollars good question I love this one okay 
So, okay, $5 might be a little tough. That is a low number. I guess it depends where you are in the dating game. Like, I actually don't think, I mean, $5 is super low. $10 would be a little easier to work with. Um, but I actually don't think that you need to spend much more than that on a first date, especially. Like, for me, my favorite first dates, I love, like, taking a walk with someone, getting to know someone somewhere, like, meet for coffee in a park, or if you drink, like, happy hour, you could get away. I mean, $10 is low, but you could almost get away with happy hour. $5 is, I mean, $5, okay. You could go, um, like, you could do some kind of sightseeing type thing depending on where you live. Like, like in LA, for instance, you could go with someone to, there's a cool thing here that I just went to not that long ago um, called the Old LA Zoo. I didn't even know it existed. So, it's basically, literally, a ghost zoo. Like, it used to be the L.A. Zoo, and then the zoo moved, and all the structures are still there, and it's in a park, and it's it's really cool-looking. People have painted murals, and, of course, there's, like, um, like, some cool plants growing in certain spots, and there's, like, rusted-out gates and cages, and you can crawl in things, and it's just, it's fun, and it's in a park. So that would be a great example of something you could literally do for free. And if you want to spice it up, like five bucks, okay, stop and grab two coffees on the way and then walk around and take photos. Or if you're at a point where you can hang at one of your apartments, there's tons of things you can do. But, I mean, I also like game nights or going to a party with someone. So if it's not a first date, a first date, it's a little weird, although I did, oh, I forgot about this guy. Maybe I'll go out with this guy again. I had a great first date with a guy who took me to a party, and here's how it went. I can't believe I forgot about this. I have to hit this guy up. Well, what happened is uh, we initially met. I actually flirted with him first on Instagram. He did the music on a movie that I had a friend who was in the movie and I saw the guy in a photo at like at a screening or something. And I was like, who's that guy? He's kind of cute. And the guy was like, my friend was like, he did the music for the movie. And I followed him. I never do stuff like this. I followed him. And you guys, just so you know, this guy's not like super famous or like um, a guy with like a billion followers or probably like tons of chicks I mean I'm sure he gets hit on because he's a successful guy but and he's cute but I mean like he's not like Brad Pitt but I just there was something about his whole vibe I liked so anyway I followed him for a while and I just quietly liked his things I didn't dm him or anything and then eventually I think he maybe dm'd me and we kind of like texted back and forth a little and finally, we made plans to go out. He did make a plan. And then he said, my buddy is having a party at his store. He, the guy had like a store in LA. 
and it was a record release party for some artist and he invited me and I thought "Eh, it'll be fun like why not and it turned out to be a really great date I liked the guy immediately because when we got to the party it was crowded and he held my hand and like I don't hold hands with guys usually until I'm like vibing with them. Like to me, holding hands is really intimate. But in a situation like this where it's a crowded party, like there's nothing worse than when a guy walks you through a crowded situation and doesn't hold your hand because you know he's not holding your hand because of some like something he thinks it's going to tell you like, oh, we're a couple or this is like a real date and I'm afraid of like actually dating someone. So when a guy holds my hand, like in that situation, I'm like, oh, he's a man. Like that's so hot. It was a turn on. And he introduced me to everybody who came up, like anyone who would come up and talk to him, he would introduce me. That's huge too, by the way, guys, like if, if a girl is standing next to you and someone comes up and talks to you, unless I know sometimes you don't remember their name or something, but I mean, you should always introduce the person standing next to you. This is like common courtesy. I can't even believe I'm saying it, but so many people don't. So he did all those things. Now the party, we didn't spend any money. I mean, it was a free party and it was like open bar. Granted, that might be rare, but maybe your friends are having a game night or maybe it's you know, um, Sunday and your buddy has like everybody over to watch football on Sundays and you go, but you're not like obsessed with a certain game. Like I get, you don't want to be on a date if you're like really watching, like if it's the Rams, like I'm not taking a new date to a Rams game. Cause I need to see like all the plays, but you get the point. Um, after that though, we ended up going out for drinks. So he dropped money there, but we wouldn't have had to, it could have just been that. And then, um, and then we had a good like kiss good night. It was a little weird though, because that guy had, uh, a driver and the driver was his cousin. And so his cousin was driving and we were in the back. And like, when we got back to my place, when he was dropping me off and we were kind of like making out, it was a little weird, like having, I mean, a driver is one thing, but when it's like a cousin, then you're like, oh, like I don't know if it felt like even if I was going to invite him in or go home with him or it was going to go any further, like I couldn't, I didn't want his cousin to judge me. That's so stupid, but I I couldn't help it. But anyway, I was kind of into that guy. And then actually, um, one thing led to another and he's super busy and he travels a lot for work just like me. And so we kept missing each other in town. And then I met the wizard And you guys know what happened there. Rod Stewart, the wizard. So, uh, but that didn't stop me from going out with this guy again, the wizard. It's just like after the wizard, I took a break. I love that I have a guy in my life called the wizard. That's gonna, I mean, honestly, probably if, uh, if I never, like there's nothing that could top that in my life for embarrassing date fails then fucking a wizard I called Joey Diaz um a week or two ago I guess it was a couple weeks ago I don't know um yeah because the wizard is a musician and 
he put out a song and like some people that I know are fans of his. And so they were tweeting about it and posting it. And I just called Joey cause I was like annoyed and like, you know, it, it weirdly, like, I don't want that guy back, but it still bothers me that there was never resolution or an apology, although not as much now. But so when people started posting about it, I just called Joey. I was like, just fucking annoying, man. It's like every time I want to, every time I forget about this guy, something pops up. And like now, like people are all like, oh, he's so great. And I'm like, fuck him. He, he sucks. He's a wizard. He ghosted me, whatever. And Joey goes, this is so insensitive, but so Joey. And he was right. And he made me laugh. He goes, he goes, are you fucking kidding me? You're depressed about a fucking wizard. I want to meet this guy and shake his fucking hand. Joey goes, this guy got you naked into a magic cave. Do you know how much game it takes to get an intelligent woman to crawl into a magic cave and fuck him? If I ever meet this guy, I'm going to say, congratulations, buddy. You're amazing. I was like, so, so mad, but also like, it was the first time that I laughed about it. And I was like, that's really, he's got a valid point. Like if you can't laugh at this shit, I mean, the whole point of this podcast is this it's date fails. Everyone fails. And you know what? My new shaman you know what he said to me? He said, it's like surfing. Waves come in sets. And, you know, if every seventh wave is the one you catch and that's the big one you ride, you might try to get on, you know, wave three or wave four thinking it's going to be the big one. And maybe you fall off. Maybe you you eat shit. Maybe you don't get on it because you realize suddenly that it's not big enough. But the shaman said, you know, there's going to probably be a couple more small waves before the big wave. So just consider that the wizard was a, was a small wave that you ate shit on. I mean, he didn't say it like that, but that's basically what he meant. And I think that my analogy, he didn't say eat shit on, he just said a small wave. I added in the eating shit part because I feel that that was, like if if the wizard was a wave I surfed, it was a wave that paralyzes, like it would have been at minimum at least, you know, um, wheelchair bound for like a year, maybe get some movement back, but it would take some time, you know. I don't trust anybody now and I want to kill... I don't want to kill anybody, but like, I'm a little jaded. I'm a little quick to pull the trigger on a guy now and just be like, you're a fuck boy. I never wanted to be this girl that was like thinking that all guys were lying or just trying to get laid. And I know you're not, I know they're not. But lately at the very first sign of the guy might be like, just a dude that's trying to bang instead of just walking away like a classy woman I'm calling them fuck boys I've done it to two guys you guys I'm admitting this here I've done it to two guys that I've tried to go out with that I realized we're just trying to hook up and I, I called them both a fuck boy I know I'm right but it, it's probably not you know it, the classy way to go is just like go Eh, you're not really for me. I'm I'm looking for something different and walk away. Don't call them fuckboys. And for the guys, also don't 
get butt hurt if a girl doesn't want to go out with you. It's not always about you. It could be about a billion. I had a girlfriend who just went out with a guy and she liked him and they made out. They didn't have sex, but they made out and she was like, I'm into him. And then out of the blue, an ex texted her and she was like, I didn't realize I wasn't really over him. I still kind of miss my ex. And she just immediately was like, I don't think I should move forward with this other guy. I didn't realize how much I miss my ex. And so like she stopped seeing that guy and he's probably like, what the fuck? She didn't tell him that's why she just kind of got busy, you know, and, and she didn't want to totally let him off the hook because what if she does get over her ex and she wants to go out with him? So my point is, it's not always personal. As you know, that should be the title of today's episode. It's not always personal. Did you ever kiss a girl? Yes. What are you, my therapist? What the fuck? Yeah, I've kissed girls, but only in threesome situations or for an acting scene or on a dare. Speaking of which, not dare, but betting. Um, Josh Wolf didn't answer me, but Josh Wolf is a huge Patriots fan, and so is Lee Syatt. And obviously, you guys know I'm a huge Rams fan. And Obviously, the Patriots are playing the Rams, and I want to make a bet with Josh and Lee. So I texted Josh, and I said, let's make a bet on the Super Bowl. Let's bet if the Rams win, I have to kiss Lee Syatt on the mouth for five seconds. But if, uh, I'm sorry, if the Patriots win, I have to kiss Lee Syatt on the mouth for five seconds. But if the Rams win then Josh and Lee would have to kiss for five seconds on the mouth. I think Josh wanted to make a bet, and he said to come up with something that neither of us, you know, would normally do. Not that I wouldn't be very excited to make out with you, Lee. I think it would be amazing. I'm just concerned we would fall in love. And also, you know, I haven't gotten tested since The Wizard yet, so you probably shouldn't, but you can wear, like, a dental dam or whatever makes you feel safe. But I think... It would be so funny and we could film it. So uh, you guys need to tell Lee, he doesn't know about this yet. I didn't actually tell Lee. I only texted Josh Wolf and said, what do you think about this bet? And he never even responded. I just realized that now. Okay, the minute this podcast is over, I'm going to text him again. And you guys are going to tweet at Josh and Lee. We need to make this bet happen because I know the Rams are going to win. I'm so positive and... I need footage of Josh Wolf and Lee mouth kissing. Doesn't have to be tongue, but just five seconds of mouth kiss. And we get to pick the song, but they have to do it to like some kind of romantic song. Like, let's get it on. Or I don't know. I have to think about the song. I haven't thought this deep into it. This is fun. I'm really enjoying this now. It got me out of my head. I feel a little loose. I'm drinking a calm tea. I feel like I can, this mic is, this is my new mic, by the way, guys. And I feel like it's so sensitive. I can hear myself swallow. I can hear like my own spit in my mouth. And that's weird. Um, maybe the medicine I'm on. I've been taking a lot of Sudafed for my head cold. Maybe it's making me sound odd on the mic. So if I do, I'm sorry, but I think I finally got this mic system working properly. Uh, you all complained about the sound last time, which I understand, but please know that I'm trying 
to do this on a limited budget, but I'm trying to set it up in my place so that I can do it way more often and add video. And it's really close. I know you guys, I've been saying that, but now it's actually really close. I had a plumbing leak disaster in my apartment yesterday. I woke up and my bathtub was filled with what I believe to be sewage, but my landlord says is just brown water because there's brown things that live in the pipes under the building. My landlord, my tub was filled with water that looked like it had shit in it. It was literally brown water, like half full in my tub and had leaked from the floorboard onto my bathroom floor and smelled like sewage. It didn't smell like poop, but it's, it smelled like something sulfury mixed with poop basically, but like, not like when you poop, what it smells like, but like what, like the sewer grate smells like when you walk by, that's what it smelled like. But now he's, I think because he doesn't want to send a hazmat team in here, he just sent like a regular dude to clean with like Clorox. So he's claiming that it's just the LA pipes have brown crud living in them and that it backed up. So the point is I had to move all the podcast stuff that was set up out of that room because there was water on the floor and they had to, I don't know what, you guys don't give a fuck. This is the stupidest story. The point is it's really close. I have all the equipment. I replaced the wire. I, the only thing I still need is, um, the sound muffling, uh, curtain thing. You, no echo. I don't want echo. That's the point. I'm going to have to edit so much out of this podcast because I'm rambling. The other reason I need the Home Depot day labor guy to sit here. Although that seems very unsafe after dark. I don't know why to me they seem safe to bring home in the daylight. And then the minute it's nighttime, I think it's not safe. Like a stranger in my house during the day, like a pizza guy, UPS guy. I'm like, sure, come on in and stand here while I go get some cash, whatever. But the minute the sun goes down, that same dude, I'm like, oh, no. Like nighttime, they're definitely going to attack me. Although right now, no, I shouldn't say that. Don't ever attack anyone. But I really do need to have sex soon. Not, I'm not saying to come. Please don't. Like whoever sent the soup, do not show up here. I'm not looking for strange. I just, I need to get it in. Okay. Um, this is another great question, actually, I really like. This is an important one. How drunk should you not get to calm your nerves for a first date? That is such a good question because we all like to relax a little on dates, especially if you get nervous. But it's kind of like stand up to me. Um, like if I'm nervous for a show, which... I don't get nervous often anymore, but sometimes if it's the first night at a club I've never been to and the owner is there watching, sometimes I will get a little nervous. And that is the only time I ever kind of am like, oh, I would like to have a drink before I go up to calm my nerves. Speaking of drinking, sorry. Um, but there's a really, really fine line between a tiny take the edge off 
buzz and a buzz that inhibits your thought, like quickness, wit, whatever, whatever it is, and speech, obviously. But on a date, it's the same thing, except there's more. And this is a double standard, perhaps, but I hate when a guy is more drunk than me ever in life, even if we're dating, even if we're a couple, if we are out, I mean, it's one thing in a, in our place, like if we're in your apartment and you get drunk every once in a while, whatever. But if we're out anywhere, I can't help it. The girl in me wants the, to feel safe with the guy. So if you're more drunk than me where I feel like I'm babysitting you or if someone attacked us, like I'd be the one in control or like the one that has to do the fighting, that is not hot. That is gross. Like I have, I have actually been into guys that got too drunk one time and I never saw them again. It's a huge turnoff. That being said, drunk girls are just as annoying and it's dangerous to get too drunk with a guy. I mean, you guys remember my story also about puking all over that supermodel's apartment. That's rare, but that could happen too. There's so many things that can go wrong. So I say when you're in the dating phase, never get past a light buzz. A buzz is just great. But if you really need to be wasted to be on a date, by the way, um, you probably need to figure out why you're so nervous on a date like so nervous you need to be hammered because that's not it shouldn't be like that I'm trying to think if I've ever been that nervous on a date no no I mean granted I'm good at talking to people there's guys that I've been nervous to meet like like, um, I think they probably date like all like supermodel tens and I get a little intimidated. So then I, I used to feel like I had to try harder to look hot, but I wouldn't want to look too hot. Like I wouldn't want them to think I put in too much effort. So I would get really in my head. I get more in my head about what to wear on a date. And then I, I would go all the way in the other direction and I would dress so casual and just blame it on like, oh, I just came from a show. So you're, you're stuck with me in jeans and a t-shirt, whatever. And then I would sometimes feel bad because the guy would be dressier. And now what I do is I just don't go on dates. So that fixed that problem. <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, I don't know, man. That's That's actually one thing that like, I need help on. I should have somebody on who knows what you're supposed to wear on dates. But I say whatever makes you feel hot, but not like a hooker, whatever that is. And if you like dressing in something that a hooker might wear because it makes you feel like the best you there is, then good for you. Like, that's great. I more power to you. Nothing wrong with that. And no guy should assume, you know, that the girl is easy. Like, I had some guy on my Instagram the other day. I don't remember what I even, oh, it was like, I posted a photo with cleavage, a lot of cleavage, but that's it. And this guy was actually like, um, 
he was like, see, now you can post a photo with cleavage and it's all good, but if I post my dick on here, like it was literally, he was like, if I post my dick, everybody gets upset. Or if I take my dick out and I thought he was joking, but then I, like when people started commenting back, the guy was serious and then it got heated and the guy was like, it's just a complete double standard. I mean, if your tits are out, obviously you're just looking for the same attention we are when we pull our dick out. I'm like, first of all, no, no, no. We, I've never in my life seen a girl just randomly take off her top for no reason, like nipples, like down to nipple, just in public, unless she was feeding a baby or it's Mardi Gras or it's like a frat party where everyone's hammered. No girl ever is like walks in a room where people are having cocktails and, and shrimp and just whips her tits out. That's, that doesn't happen. But guys will... No, they don't do that either. No, where am I going with this? That's the stupidest. All right, it's another thing I have to cut out. Or I could leave it in and you guys can be like, Kate, you really rambled a lot on this episode and you need to have more guests. I guess what I'm trying to say is I've never been in a room with a small group of people and asked to take my tits out. But I have been in a room with a small group of people, like four or five, where a guy suddenly decides it's a good idea to take his dick out. Like I've seen it happen or asked to take his dick out. And I just, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand sending a dick pic. I don't understand sending a jerk off video. I don't understand asking to take your dick out in front of a small group of women but it's happened enough times to where I feel like it's some kind of thing that guys do like. In fact, I did have a guy even once, like we were on a date and we went back to his place, but it was clear we were not going to have sex. Like I had already told him that I wanted to wait a while. And then when we got back to his place, he was like, well, what if I just masturbate next to you? I just don't think you should ever I feel like if you have to ask to take your dick out it's probably not time yet like it should happen I think it should happen when I help you this was a tangent I didn't plan on all right you know I think I'm just getting tired I did two hours of podcasting earlier now I just did another hour and a half here I just I like answering your guys questions and I like once I start talking to myself, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's the new mic, but I'm enjoying it, but I don't want to bore you. So let's do like two more questions and I'm going to end this. Um, let's see. Would you fuck Bill Belichick if it meant the Rams would win? Ew. No. I mean, what? Of course not. That's the dumbest. No. Um, Oh, wait, there's, <laughs> there's a caveat. I can't even believe I was going to say this. Wow, I'm really speaking on impulse tonight. I was going to say unless um, like one of the players promised to give me like his winning bonus. Like I think they get bonus if they win. Like I don't know how much, but 
if it was, if I was going to get like, I mean, granted now I understand that I'm calling myself a high paid prostitute. Okay. Which I'm not like if someone messaged me and said, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars to have sex with me. I would not just say no. I also would not just say yes. A hundred thousand dollars is not enough to say yes. However, I won't lie. If I looked at them and they weren't gross and they were kind of cute, depending on the parameters, I might consider it. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm not, it doesn't mean I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to be a hooker and I'm not going to start escorting and I wouldn't do it for 10 grand. I wouldn't do it for, well, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to start naming prices, but let's just say that for a hundred thousand dollars, which is, I don't know how much the players get bonus for winning, but it's probably something like that. Um, I could do a lot. I mean, really, I could pay off my debt. I could produce my own special. Uh, I could pay off my car. I mean, that's my debt too. And obviously, not only would I have a podcast studio, but it wouldn't be in my house. I would get like a little separate studio space, which would be amazing. So yeah, um, I would do it if I was getting the winnings, like the cash. That's basically the point. So it has nothing to do with the Rams, but that would be a great bonus. And I hope the Rams win. I'm so excited for the Super Bowl. I was going to go. I had a friend who had tickets, but it was just too much. It's, it's too much. The travel, the money to stay there, the possibility of me doing things that will get me put into jail and ending up stuck in Atlanta in jail seemed like a bad plan. Plus, I've been on this super enlightened sobriety, drinking tea and pumpkin smoothies, and I don't know. I just want to keep it going. So cheesy, but it's, it's the truth. Um, all right, one more. Let's see. Well, I've talked about this one before. If you work with someone on a professional level and you gel, when do you ask for a date? My personal opinion is you never date a colleague. That's just my opinion. And I know you should never say never. And sometimes people fall in love. But man, every time I've dated someone I work with or even someone, I mean, even if it's someone in the same business that you work in, if depending on the size of the business, you just have to consider every aspect of what if it doesn't go well? What if it ends badly? Because a lot of people gel. There are so many comedians I have like a baby crush on that I would love to try dating. But I've learned from experience that if it doesn't work out, the fallout, the feelings, the uncomfortableness of being around them, the and then like eventually they might start dating another comedian. Then you hear about that. It's just, it's. do you want to put yourself through that? Is it worth it? Is it that worth it? Maybe you could just stay friends with that person until one of you leaves that business. Like that would be my recommendation. I think it's the worst thing you could possibly do personally. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's really, I answered a lot of your questions tonight. My throat is starting to dry up again. I can hear my spit again, which is not a turn on. Um, but here's what I have to say. I, 
am in a good place and I hope you guys are too. And it's weird. This podcast, it's, it's evolving. You know, I'm growing up and I feel a little guilty in some ways. I was telling Jim Florentine, like I started Misfit Island because I feel a little guilty that I don't have tons of dating stories right now, every episode. And then by the way, uh, I was really, really like, well, I'll just have a guest on every episode and we can talk, you know, about their life. And also they will have dating story, dating stories. Sorry, guys, my throat, my, uh, my sickness apparently is not completely gone. When I have the Home Depot day laborer on the podcast, I'll have him make sounds when I stop to take a sip of a fluid. But uh, anyway, what I was going to say is there will be more guests. It's just all things comedy has so many podcasts and one studio. So right now to go do it there um, takes a little bit of planning. And if it falls through because I have an audition or I get sick or, you know, I'm out of town or whatever, then the only other option is to have that person at my place, which is why I'm I'm really, really pumped that the studio is almost done. So then I'll be able to have more people come do it here. Um, but also, you know, I started Misfit Island because I wanted to be able to talk about anything. And then I was talking to Jim Florentine and he was like, you can talk about anything on date fails. It doesn't have to be all about dating. And that's true also. Um, but for the time being, because uh, a lot of you messaged me and you were like, I love Misfit Island. And then a lot of you messaged me like focus on one podcast and put it up twice a week. So for the time being, um, I'm going to put date fails up every week, like always, and continue with, I'm sure, I mean, I'm like actually getting excited to start dating again. And I, I actually excited. I'm going to text that guy, the music producer guy when I get off here, because I forgot, I didn't forget about him, but I just, I haven't been in that headspace, but he's cute. Ooh, yay. That's a good one. Um, so like, I'm going to be dating again now. I'm, I'm ready. But also, I think that it's cool to be able to share some of the personal stuff too, and the growth. And there's nothing wrong with growing. And it's not always funny. But, you know, some things are funny, and some things aren't. And sometimes I'm funny, and sometimes I'm not um, on stage, you know, we do the best we can, but in life, I feel not funny the last week, but tonight I feel a little funnier. I think I got out of, um, my fog and that's a good thing. That's cause I talked to you guys. So thank you. Thank you for all the kind DMS this weekend and, uh, come see a show. I'm so pumped to get back out on the road. I just, I have so many road gigs coming up. I'll be in, uh, the next few months, I'll be in Missouri, Vegas with Joey Diaz. Vegas is with Joey Diaz. I'll be in, uh, Springfield, Missouri, Blue Room Comedy Club, Valentine's Day, and the Friday and Saturday after Valentine's Day. So February 14, 15, 16, you can get your tickets for that now. I'm so excited. That's going to be fun. I'm bringing Jack Jr., um, and then I'm going to Vegas with Joey Diaz. We're doing a night there at Treasure Island, a night in Tucson. I forget where, but you can check Joey's website. And then I have uh, Ohio, Cuyahoga Falls, 
uh, the funny stop. That'll be dope. And then what? Oh, and then I just booked. I'm so excited. I'm coming to Chicago. You guys, I went to college in Chicago. I've never gone back to do stand up there since I moved to LA. I've been back, but not for stand up. And I'm going to headline a theater called The Den. I'm not sure who I'm bringing yet, but I'll definitely be bringing someone. And then I have Sacramento Punchline in March. So things are getting busy, man, but I'm really happy. I'm really, really grateful. And uh, thank you guys, as always, for all the support. And this episode was weird, man. My head is all over the place. I feel like my head is an egg that someone squeezed in their hand and all the yolk is running everywhere just with everything going on. But I feel happy. So happy is good. Um, I told you at the beginning of this, I was on Brody Stevens podcast today, a festival of friendship, and I was going to release it as the second half of this one. You know what? I think I still will. Two, check, check, check. We got a great one today. We've got a great podcast here in Burbank, California, San Fernando Valley. We've got Brenton here, my good pal Brenton. We've got Gino. We've got Emma. We've got great guests. We've got uh, a lot of good stuff, and it's a big week. It's a big week to be in L.A. Rams are in the Super Bowl. Yeah. That was not predicted, so we've got that. We've got some um, history. We've got some <laughs> closure. Eric's got a new jacket, fresh off a great set in Tampa, Florida, in front of 2,000 people. Yeah, pretty awesome. So, I mean, he's in now. We're going to see how his attitude changed. Like, I mean, he, you know what I'm saying? Like, it could be different now. Yeah, he could get a big head. Now I'm the number one top-rising comedian. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> I mean, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how it goes. That and is a nice jacket. Oh, thank you. Very shiny. Yeah, it's just because it needs to be washed a couple times. It's got a little too much shine on it gotta right dirty now. Dirty it up. Go bang yeah. it on the ground. Let's go fishing in it. And it's uh, you got it on Amazon. I wouldn't buy a jacket on Amazon. Why it's not? Too hard to size. Yeah, can't size it. And then how you return it? You know, free returns. Yeah, free returns. That's a pain. It's I never it do is. that. I just gave you sixty dollars or whatever, and I'm gonna leave that, and it's gonna be garbage. Yeah, me. like I just You're don't right. return stuff. It's horrible. Yeah, it's I'm, an extra step or I, it's two. A, to I me, agree. it's a character flaw on my part. I feel like a bad person. I agree. Admitting that, but. <laughs> It's the same. I thing. don't do it. I'm it's not the same that reason. way. I got to try it on. It's the same reason they do rebates because rebates never. Nobody ever sends in the rebates. Right. You're right. I used to actually return stuff often from online when I lived in a building with a front desk where they would like hold your boxes, you know. But now I just live in a building where I have to find a post office or a shipping center. So you're right. Now I'll never. I literally yeah. won't walk a block to get a hundred dollars back. How sad is that? But you just how successful you are. Yeah. But I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but you can just give stuff away at the comedy store. That's what I do. It's like a goodwill. Yeah, that's a good idea. A good, yeah. I give a lot of stuff out there. I pull the car up, and if I got hats and all that stuff, I try to give Boone it out. Boone sells it back for $3. There I was just go. thinking that. I probably, I probably bought some of your stuff from Boone. Through, yeah. <laughs> you gave me a pair of uh, Nikes one time that Judah Friedlander gave you, and Judah came up and said, Why well, you? Oh, those are really nice Nikes. And I said, Brody, I gave them to me. <laughs> Wait, why would you say that? Yeah, you just told that he re-gifted. <laughs> well, like we right? Is that wrong? Is no, that, would you no, say that was the wrong? They didn't, they didn't fit you, Brody. That's why. Okay. No, uh, I have a they're size 12? Yeah. How, what size shoe do you buy? I wear a 12. 12? A 12. I wear a 12. What do you wear, Brody? 11 and a half. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sometimes 11. You could have worn thick socks, but... 
<laughs> I, I could have. I guess it would affected my circulation. That's true. Tate, your what's gait, I, you could have tripped. Yeah, exactly. Yes. If you got too long on, the, I remember because I, I used to wear shoes too big for me to grow into, and you can trip on that front part of the toe. I mean, that could be dangerous. That's exactly. A what it's age a did you stop doing that? Like yeah. last year? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. I grew so fast that it hurt. Like my bones had hurt. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so I like would get growing years. pains yeah. in my in my shins and my in my thighs. I would feel it. I you remember go sit that. Sit in the snowbank and shit. Sit in the snowbank? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Are I you both know. six three, six four, something like that? Probably I'm, the same height. Right? I'm six two. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I I vary. I'm six two, two hundred. How sad is it that I pay such little attention to detail that when Emma asked uh, who's taller, you or Tate, I was like, I'm not sure. <laughs> you're six you two. You weren't sure. Well, just I was thinking, I don't know how tall do I look up at Tate? Like I was trying to remember if I look you in the like. Right. I don't notice how tall guys are really. It's a trip. I have no idea how big I am until I see a photo, like when we're all together, and I'm like, oh, okay, there's what it like. But I like in per, it's like I feel like everybody's kind of the same size. So I don't know. I don't. I do too, unless you're like seven feet, unless you're so right. tall that it's like super noticeable. That's the only time I notice. Or super small. Yeah, or very tiny. Yeah. And there are some tiny types. Sure. Like Brad Williams. I was very, just tiny. Say, very tiny. Like yeah. Blake, we could have Blake Griffin and Brad Williams take a photo together. That'd there be great. Go. Yeah. yeah. Well, we are pre potting right now. And <laughs> you strong. Can, you, we're, it's a strong pre pod. Yeah. I like it. Eric is back from Tampa. We have Tate Fletcher here. We have Kate Quigley. We have, uh, we have Gino from Speedweed. We have Emma. We've got a full house. I'm Brody. I say, let's just, uh, we move right into a positivity. Me it's a mental health day, actually. It's Canada. It's Canada. Canada. It's Canada's mental health day, I think. Mental health awareness it's day. It's only for them? Well, I mean, it can be for all of us, but I think it's actually like a thing in Canada today. Someone wrote me that in my DMs, and I was like, huh, that's good timing. Because you're very you're very good with that uh, mental health, protecting yourself, and I'm that getting, sort of thing. I'm learning. Before, before you start the podcast, can I say something? to? Oh, here we have, go. If you have any questions <laughs> on YouTube, go ahead and send them in for Brody and uh, for Tate, or being Tate or Kate. I have a question. And Tate and Kate. Yeah. Plus 818. You got it. Oh. I have a question right now. What's the difference? I mean, this is my first pre-pod. Mm-hmm. Pre-pod's just talking, being silly. Sometimes I'll do my sound effects. Sometimes I'll do, it just depends. But I've been kind of, I have not really been going all out on pre-pods recently. So you're saving it up for in a few minutes when it's go time. Mm -hmm. well, yeah, but we're, yeah, exactly. But okay. I mean, but I, I kind of just, the thing is with the podcast, I kind of just be myself. I don't really yeah. do a lot of shtick necessarily. Pre-pod, I'll do some shtick. I'll do oh. maybe get my sound effects if I do that. But I also felt like today we have two really good guests. And lately I've been having two guests on. So it's kind of hard to mix in some of the like Brody weirdness right. into it. Do you like that better? Or do you like being one-on-one? -on -one? You know, I like, I like, I'm getting used to having the two guests. I felt like, and Eric... Aligny actually thought it'd be a good idea to get two guests. It would be good for like promoting and just good for socializing. Good to get it out there, flex a different muscle. Yeah. Because I've done a lot of podcasts, just solo podcasts. Right, right. And they're fun and I'm in my head and it's zany and all that. And then I would also back in the day have a lot of one on one podcasts. Yeah. Now I'm doing two, but I may go back down to one. It, it just depends. And that's the thing about like comedy or where I'm at mentally is like sometimes I'm into being silly and then sometimes 
It depends on who I'm with. I I feel like maybe they will get it. Maybe they won't get it. They'll be confused. Right. You know, that sort of thing. So it it, it kind of depends. Different skill set for sure, I would think. I mean, to be present and to curate that conversation with two versus one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're doing, we're doing, I've done the two like the last couple months and it's, it's been, uh, it's been successful, Cool. but it's, yeah. it's a new, it's a different muscle and it's not, you know, it, I, I don't really, and we'll see, you know, how it goes. Yeah. But when I would do my one-on-one podcast, I could really like dig in and do the one-on-one yeah. thing, which is fine, which is good. And then when I do it by myself, of course, I'm being zany, taking calls, being silly, but it's kind of just in my own world. Sure. So the two guests, I feel like it's more conversation, it's more social, it's more, you know, more the merrier. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes when I have on someone the first time, I'll pair them with somebody just because if I don't know them well and I don't know how much, like some people talk a lot more than others, you know, right. sometimes you get a guest that I feel like they don't say a whole lot. So if it's just you and them, now you're almost doing like a solo podcast where you're trying to pull it out of them. And then you never call them again. <laughs> yeah. You're like, but you just left me hanging on that mic. Yeah. And sometimes that person, <laughs> that other person who's a little quiet needs that uh, the other person to kind of right. make them more active. But then I've also had two people on before where one person clearly is like carrying the conversation to the point where I'm like, well, I definitely got to have them both back because one didn't get to talk and the other one like killed it so hard. Jason Tebow. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't actually, that's, I wasn't actually thinking of him, but that's a good example. Yeah. Yeah. Jason likes to talk. Well, no, he's like that. He's very funny, but he'll go into these riffs and they're so funny. You got to let him go. Yeah. Yeah. He's I forget good at who, carrying it. I had yeah. Eleanor Kerrigan on with someone. I forget who it was. And it was just so clear. Like I could have just easily had Eleanor alone. Just, I didn't even need to. She was so funny. I was like, I should just let her talk the whole time. I heard she's a professional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She is. She's great. <laughs> she's so funny on the dice videos. She, they are so funny together. They should have a sitcom. Like they're so. Do you watch their Instagram uh-uh. videos on Dice's feed? They're hilarious. I've got to check it out. Yeah, yeah, and he takes her to the uh, when she goes to the award shows with them, and he's just Dice is just so silly on those Instagrams. Yeah. How long have they known each other? Like forty years or something? <laughs> like something crazy, right? I would say close to twenty. Yeah. Eleanor, you know, used to, uh, she was a waitress. Wait. Uh, server at the comedy store and then she'd yeah. open for him he'd bring her on the road and all that yes yeah, so, i mean yeah she and got there, into comedy I mean, it's like that's a crazy thing that kind of length of so, the comedy store is so wild to me when i watch it and you're like it's just a trip and you get to see people like like in the days when joey diaz is going to four different clubs in a night because he's just like i gotta get up i gotta get up i yeah. gotta get up and then you see where careers go in like 10 years and you just can see what hard work and where it puts people it's just what a fucking what a what a vessel to carry life in that place is you know yeah i mean it's it's a little uh i mean it's pretty crazy there now i mean it's it's a lot of energy a lot of anxiety there you can right yeah is that the internet the internet no i mean because six years ago yes because six years ago it wasn't like that it's not like today Brandon Biddlecom did a great job with their their uh, their Twitter, their fa- Instagram, Facebook. He all kills that. the social Crushed media. Crushed it. Yep. Yeah. I, I think the comedy store. And I've been past there since I 2000. I that's when I I got in there. So I was there, and I I would always be doing late night spots or after the hump kind of thing. I would, I'm looking back at some of the lineups. I actually had some decent spots, but yeah. I was always kind of after the hump. So. In terms of like a lot of the craziness, you hear stories like you know Bobby Lee and Ari Shafir and David Taylor and all these guys craziest. I, 
I missed that because I was always late and I was just in that late night world. Yep. So I kind of like rode above that. I was yeah. away from because that. Because Ari beat Bobby up and it was like 930 <laughs> at night. And I was a little earlier right. than you right. would normally. Yeah, you show got up it. at yeah. 11. Yeah. You're like, I missed everything. I swear, though, I remember seeing you on those nights going up and it was just I would fucking howl. Me and Rogan would sit in the back and fucking howl. He'd be like, you got to see this guy. And from the eight one, it like it's fucking hilarious. Took Ugh. my mom out to lunch. All all that you shit. Got it. Just fucking. It's you're so else, fun man. to watch. He's so fun to watch because you're never the same twice. Nope. No, Every is time is different. Yeah. Depends. Like you know, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. And then your special that you just taped recently was fucking ridiculous. It's like you go through flawless. You know, like you see guys tape a couple shows a night because whatever if they don't do something correctly or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like to see what you did was. It was amazing, man. Oh, thanks. It's yeah, I remember you were there. Yeah. yeah. That the thing with my special was I shot the late night main room set cuz I have been doing I'd been doing that for a couple 3 years at that point. And I never got main room spots. I would always get around midnight going up before Don Barris in the in the original room a couple nights a week or whatever. And then I had an opportunity to go down to La Jolla. So Tommy the older the the other booker said, uh, if you want to go to La Jolla, I'll let you go in the main room and, and go a little longer to like practice. I never had main room spots mm -hmm. ever. I, I wouldn't even step foot in there. So he gave me that main room spot the week before, went down to La Jolla, and then I came back and he just kept giving me that spot, that late, that so last awesome. spot. So I just kept doing it and doing it, and I would and I would do like a half hour, forty five minutes, and then after a year, I was doing like forty five to an hour, and I was thinking this could be a special. I'd ask the audience, this could be a special, right? So that's when I kind of put that energy out. And so that was the idea of my special was just to capture, recreate a, well, I, not recreate, but create, do what I do on that night. Because that's comedy also. It's not always a packed house. It's not always the shipped in that. audience. Ba basically what Brody's saying is go watch a special live in the main room <laughs> on Amazon, iTunes, right? It's on Amazon. It's on iTunes. Need to promote it, that sort of thing. But I did it. I'm glad I, you know, great. I felt good about it. Thanks. I do Are love you... that, though, because I feel like that really captures what it's really like to see comedy. You know, like um, like a tell special road work is like one of oh, my it's favorites awesome. because I feel like when you watch it, it's like sitting at a club watching comedy versus mm -hmm. it's a different experience from like seeing someone in a theater or where people usually tape specials. But it feels like if you went to the comedy yeah, store, bumping mics you know? is great for that, too. Yeah, it exactly. Like that, I like that. Um, we've been on the prepod still for quite a minute. I we have been. Yeah, I we, thought we started. We, no, we didn't start the pod. Do you yet. ever use the prepod for the pod? <laughs> Sometimes. So this hasn't started yet. Mm -hmm. Emma's not recorded. No, it's recording the whole time. Prepod records. OK, so, yeah. But we're it's been, in. So we're in, Eric. So it, this has been good. It's been I, great. I, I, didn't been I mention great. like we're just going to kind of like roll into it? And we did. You introduced us. So technically we're here. Yeah. I have a we question. We have Tate Quigley. We yeah. have Tate Fletcher. I got more questions. Yeah, I love it. I love okay. it. Okay. So you film that. Yeah. And then that's in the box. Yes. The thing that I find interesting is seeing all this is like. You don't see people that after they do a special or they, they've like, it's like they've presented the work, right? Uh -huh. That they've been working on for, and maybe after your first special, maybe that's 15 years of work, right? Mm -hmm. Like before you shoot something that is saleable. Yeah. And, uh, and so then the next year you got to build a whole nother set and, yeah. and you never say those other jokes again. It's like, I mean, or rarely or whatever. It's like, you don't, 
And that to me is so fucking fascinating. Like, cause a joke, like when you see it and you watch you guys form it, that's the benefit. You get to see the joke at the inception, come in and try it. Like whether it's fucking a, a open mic or Joe Rogan, everybody's starting out a brand new bit at some point. And then to see it evolve, if you're paying attention and to see what happens. And so that process, like, what is that like for you guys? And, and uh, that kind of fearlessness of not having to rely on what you know kills already. Yeah, I mean, it's just doing, recording your sets, too. That It's like, yeah. you, you know, you I'm like tonight, I'm going to play a, a show that's outside in a parking lot, you know? So I'll record it, and I'll probably be relaxed. That's the thing. Like, I, I'm more creative, I feel, when I'm relaxed. Like, you get a better me as opposed to sure. trying to prove that I'm funny and all right. and all the big, the big, you know, the, the, the big scope of it. So... I feel like I just chip away. Oh, that was a little one-liner that worked. That was a little one-liner work. And that's where you have to go back and listen to your tapes. Also, Don't you feel uh -oh. like... Oh, sorry. Eric. Also having more comics. Eric is really into it today. No, Eric Oligny, <laughs> fresh from Tampa, 2,000 seats, opening for Russell Peters. He's got the new bomber jacket. You and wondered if it would change. It I, we've it seen it so it. far. <laughs> we've seen some I got a changes. Big head. I, got a big head. I was just going to say that it also helps to have comics, other comics eyes and to have their tags, little things, little things they tell you, they go and it goes, oh, I didn't see that part of the joke. And that makes the joke grow. Oh, yeah, yeah. of course, all comedians are going to give you tags. Yeah, I'll be quiet now. No, I, uh, I mean, I was just going to say, too, like, I think when you're relaxed, like, I don't know about you, but there's I can't help but try new. I get so excited. Like when I have an idea that I think is funny, I get so excited to try it. And then once you once you're doing it for a while, there's just constantly a new idea. So I feel like but I mean, granted, I haven't put a special out. But I even feel pressure if I headline the same club twice, not to do right. the same material back there. Right. But I feel when I'm on the road, like I can try anything. Like nobody knows you, there's not comics watching you. It's just audience, it's your fans. So then I feel like really comfortable. So I always feel like I write the most and you're by yourself usually. Like I don't bring an opener all the time. So that's when I write and try stuff the most, more than in town for so me. So is, is it after you record it then? Then you go and you write down which one-liners, for instance, worked and that you liked? Yeah, I mean, you gotta... And so when does the writing happen for you guys, you know? A two-part question, that and then also, then how do you know when you say, oh, I just get an idea and I can't wait to work it out on stage? It's like, when do you guys as a comic go, I've got enough time on stage to where I know like the structure of the joke or whatever, so I can even play with it. Cause there's a thing that you have to know before you can go play with it to even be able to play with it, right? Is that true? Well, I mean, I don't know. Everybody's different. Everybody's process is different. Like for me, I could write a set list every night of the hour that I want to do when I headline. And then sometimes I'll do it. And half the time I won't even do, ha I'll do completely different stuff because whatever happens with the audience or something gives me an idea and I remember, sometimes I'll have an idea for a bit write it on a piece of paper, forget all about it. Then someone says something to me in the audience that reminds me. And then I, so for me, it's just a lot of it comes, I write a lot on stage. Like there'll be a moment of improvisation and then I'll write a little, but then every time I try it, I'll just try two or three lines or think of a new punchline. Like for me, it just happens organically. I never sit down and Organic. go, I'm going to write a bit right now. Th that's never how it goes for me. But I think uh, I think a lot, and what I used to do, and I should be doing more, is active listening. You tape you tape your sets, then you go to your coffee house or wherever, and you listen to your set, and then you tag it because you're not you're. It's kind of like you're up there you're you're up there doing it again, but you're relaxed and you can your mind will be open to tagging stuff. How hard stuff. is it? 
to listen to your own shit. Is it hard at first to get listening to your voice? Not I for me. It. I hate it. Why it do you depends. hate it, Eric? I don't like hearing my own voice and like hear, it's just a weird thing to me. Well, yeah. how do you think we feel? I'm kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> but you have to. You have to get over That's it. That's authentic I, I, comedy. I don't think I don't like authentic it, organic. but I have to. But you know what? Russell Peters actually one time, I tape every set if I can. I In fact, not to give a plug, but like I have a Google Pixel. And part of the reason I bought it is because it's unlimited free storage on Google. So you could literally film every set forever and store it for free. But one time I was filming and Russell Peters said to me, don't listen to that or watch it more than once watch it once write what you think and throw it out because he's like if you watch it too much you start to get too in your head and i think there's something to be said about right. that too like for me i don't know about you but i i have places where i'm most relaxed where i think the most ideas too like i put up a whiteboard in my shower <laughs> because i always think of tags in the shower i don't know if it's because i'm relaxed i don't know why the but pens I, don't get fucked up or yeah wet. like how do you do it i have these mar i have these markers that are made to write in the shower you can buy them and That's i keep incredible. them in oh, really? my shower yeah america that. that doesn't happen without america and then also third world countries <laughs> to make it but yeah. They're lucky just to get a shower. I visualize right, right. the shower. I mean, I meditate I, yeah. in yeah. my shower. I, I could tell you, like, when I had my show back on Comedy Central and I was coming up with stuff, it would constantly be in the shower, visualizing, yeah. thinking about this. So how do you remember it? Or like, I just ingrained it in my head. I just, like, manifested it. Like, everything I did on that Comedy Central show, which people like, critically acclaimed, <laughs> I I visualized it all. Like, I we had writers and we had other guys sure. helping out, like, you know, help with some structure but the idea of everything the idea of the whole show of how uh, the show came about and then how it, how it uh, went off track and how it went back on track and how I got back onto Conan and then I, the next one I turned it into doing a half hour I just put it all in my head I visualized it in the shower but did you write it down or say do you like like that was my problem is i was always having great ideas in the shower and i was like how the hell am i going to remember this and then i have an amazon alexa so for a while i would make notes i'd tell her but then i would forget to like read them so now i put them all down on this you can buy these and like, now your alexa markers. is killing cool. it somewhere yeah but i yeah. I, <laughs> I, just, I just manifested i made it like a part of me i i was so committed to doing that six 15 minute episodes for the HBO go and then having it be 12 29 28 minute episodes or whatever it was um, for Comedy Central I just I just visualized it I just every day I'd be in there thinking okay yeah that would be funny that would be funny that's good I can it see really that. works it worked I, mean, I think so and I, I kind of like late now it's like I mean, I think eventually, maybe I'll. It's same thing with like my comedy special. The uh, you know I did in the main room. I, now I got to think of something else and wh whatever that may. That's be. an amazing thing too. Like we look at what uh, Neil Brennan did with three mics and like awesome. you look. I mean, it's like I talk about like pushing the borders out of what you think comedy might be. You know, yeah. like it's really cool to see what's happening. Do you guys think that what like when you say that and like you're saying, oh, I, I write on stage or in the shot, like. Uh, so is comedy more maybe early on it's a, a functional thing that you're going to write out exactly what you're going to but like what you guys are talking about is more it seems to speak of like inspiration or like you know the universe talking through you or something like these ideas or these inspirations that come into your head about like oh here's a bit and i'm just going to start fucking freestyle talking about it on stage in the moment 
Yeah. Like I'm it's on almost stage like, in the like, like godlike flowing through you. Like, here's another idea. And it only happens if I'm in the trying and the risking of right now or something. Yeah. And where you're at. Like, if I was in Portland, I'd probably spend my whole set talking about being in Portland, doing that sort of thing. Or when I'm in Phoenix, I'm, ta- I'm in Phoenix. I'm at that, that spot. The problem is sometimes with me, if like, for example, I'll go on the road with David Spade. He took me out on the road a bunch last year. I just auditioned for a movie with David Spade yesterday. Oh, really? The Ooh. one in Hawaii? Yeah, yeah. Okay. In Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Get me in on it. Can yeah, I be an yeah, extra? Yeah, yeah. yeah me, me too. <laughs> play brothers. Hashtag me too. <laughs> that, well, he's going to be out there for a couple months. Yeah. Jealous. Yeah. So I'll go with I'll go with David and, you know, they're they're his audience. So they're in their I kind and I don't want to go too cra- off the rails, but I, I mean, he does. I can say whatever I want. I can do what I want, but I get a little in my head a little bit because I feel like, okay, I got to do my jokes. I got to do my jokes. I'm setting, I'm setting it up for David to to do, you yeah. know, set it up for him. Yeah. So it's hard for me to like do. You want to kill for sure, like you want right, to, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. tough to be conscious of the mood of the room when your responsibility is to somebody coming later, that type of thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's, it's not my show. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's my few minutes. Dude, I just or saw I saw Brendan film his special in San Diego, and uh, Shab, and it was the fuck. It was amazing. It was great. And uh, one of the coolest parts about it is like what you're talking about. I watched happen. I walk in, Callan lights the room on fire. It's just ashes, man. It's yeah. like. I mean, I, it's like my guts hurt. And and uh, and then he's like, and my friend Joe Rogan's coming out. And so then Joe comes out and does 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 a few minutes like for Brendan too, right? Wow, that's and awesome. And so I'm like, this these guys are fucking dripping in this audience, man. This is crazy. And then uh, Joe tapered it. And you could, you could watch it. And it's still funny all the way through, but you could see him. It's like, I'm just bringing it to a place that's level again for the audience to be ready to receive Brent. And it was like the most beautiful act of friendship or like integrity or something. I was like, I was like, this is an amazing thing to see. Cause you got to push away your own need to get liked and yeah. all like, there's a lot of stuff that's in your way to do like, and to even just be aware of the fact in the first place. I, it's just such a fucking cool thing. I think at some point the ego moves out of the way when you're, it's like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you feel the same, but it's like, I care about the show as a whole. Whatever's going to make the whole show the best. Like when I host, I still host all the time. You know, I'll host the comedy store shows, the Laugh Factory. And like when I host, all I care about is making sure the audience is happy, having fun, warmed up. They trust me. So when I say this next guy's funny, they believe it. It's not about me killing. Like you want them laughing, but sometimes you see hosts go out and just do you know, they just start into jokes. They do seven minutes of jokes and they won't get off till they get a big laugh. And it's like, that's not your job. Like we know you can be funny, but your job is. Your yeah, I never, I never liked that as much. Yeah. So, but I think that that's the whole thing is just once you care about the show versus your ego being the main thing, it's the rule it, of life, it. you know, you care about your community doing well. Like, why do I want to do well so I can serve better? Or so you like that becomes yeah. the, the higher conscious. My thinking, biggest lesson this year has been about like trying to drop ego involved in just relationships, friendships, just everything. Like, why am I holding on to this? Is it because I, is it love or is it ego? Like, why? Like everything. And it's amazing when you start to look at that. It changes everything. I think. But I'll, 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 but there is some when you're hosting a lot. Like I did. I've done audience warm ups. I've done like three thousand yeah. audience warm ups. So it was always. For like a television show type of thing yeah. or something like that? Yeah, I, and I've done a lot of hosting. I used to host the improv quite a bit, and I would do, 
yeah, the audience warm up. So it was always about the show. It was never about me. It was about the show. Having had the crowd be into it for the comedians on the show or the athletes when I was at Best Damn Sports Show, it was always about the show. So and if I did anything, I mean, I would throw in a couple of jokes here and there, but sure. it was never it was never about me. It was about the the right. show doing well. Right. I wanted the show st to stay on the air and the show to grow, and then. There is less pressure on me because any kind of time they're they're not expecting comedy really from the warm up guy. Right. They're expecting candy or being silly or whatever. So that could kind of somewhat it hurt me a little bit like doing stand up because first of all I was doing audience warm up in the afternoon at the Fox lot and I'm meeting all these athletes and cool people and I'm getting a couple bucks and then at night I just I had uh, I didn't want to like burn out too much so at night I'd be kind of up there doing a little bit of like I was still like had that warm-up on me I had that warm-up energy on me and and um, I think it kind of like mentally it took me out from being a stand-up thinking I was a stand-up comedian I always thought oh I'm a warm-up but first. it was about you and your confidence you think I mean but that was like an internal thought you thought people look at me as a warm up. It was more internal. Yeah. But, but I would say like the last few years specifically like on when I get mentioned like on Twitter with the comedy store I put like I'm a comedian. I have, I have that the mic. I'm a comedian. I'm mm -hmm. a stand up. So but even that I'm still doing like late spots there. You know I, I'm still kind of. Isn't it interesting how much like that self like it's self it's a little bit of self-doubt that creeps in because i get it too because the playboy tv stuff and the abn awards and all the kind of like quote hot girl stuff that i did for so long i was like i gotta make them see that i'm a real comic i gotta make them see that i'm a real like it was so in my head people don't think you're a real comic and then when i finally was like no I am a real comic. Who cares what everyone else thinks? I just need to focus on what I know. And I know like how much I'm writing and I know what's mm -hmm. happening on the road. And like the self-doubt is the thing that yeah. makes it or breaks it really. Because at the end of the day, everybody's really thinking about themselves in this business more than they're looking at what you're doing or caring what you're doing. It's sad, but true. But that, and, but that feeling confident about owning your shit and going, you know, at what point am I, an, an actor or a fighter or a comic or and I would I would say to anybody it's not really even if you're paid for it it's like when you're in the trying in the endeavor of the thing you are that thing if you, if you are not doing that thing it's like it's like knowing a lot about nutrition it doesn't mean much unless you are active in the manifestation of proper nutrition or whatever it's like you can be 400 pounds and know a whole ton of shit but like if you're not in the conversation it doesn't mean much and the same with comedy I would think that if you're writing jokes and you're doing like you're in the trying of it like you're it aren't isn't that it you gotta own it right oh well, fuck and and like to not it's like we fucking kill ourselves so much it's like that whole idea i gotta get out of my own way it's like that thing about getting out of your ego or whatever it's like get if i could get myself out of my own way enough i would be in <laughs> such more an advantageous place you know in life you know i think uh, i think this is a good segue to one of the questions on youtube Can okay ask it? we have a youtube question eric um, good job does it is it hurtful to read those first of all? No, I mean okay. I, I'm, it's whatever. So I never go to comments anymore. Some they're too brutal in there. They and are, like, I, and I'm having a nice day, and then I'm like, I can't open my phone. I've gotten to the point where I just block them out. Like I just don't care. I, yeah. Well, you you get negative comments on what Instagram? Sometimes, yeah, or? On Instagram. For what? That's the only thing I. Oh, well, like I I want 
for the women's march with my mom and then i got like real vile death oh. shit from that like oh, about her be, and I was, I, was, I was like this is interesting like and I'd, as i asked people then and i'd ask my podcast and everything anybody that had anything negative to say i'd be like w did you go because what you think it's about or what it's report it wasn't what I, it was where i would maybe they're different in different places i don't know but it's like this thing about life like even if you're exploring what a thing is which is kind of what it was like this lesbian friend of mine is like you should come to this thing it's totally you'd love it and i go I don't, what is it come see okay so i go see but then it indicates who you are as a human because you like is a fucking it's a wild world we're in and, and all those things so anyway and all that stuff i like too many people have the floor too many people have your ear oh and yeah. i'm like they don't deserve to have my ear man i only want like, like kindness and nourishment on I me. Know, me and too. so i just don't i'm not i'm not willing to swim in all those waters anymore and i'm like it sucks because I, I retreat back a little bit i don't interact as much yeah. with, with fans on dms or whatever but at the same point it's like there's a point of protection that i have to hold or else i'll lose the space of everything it feels like yeah i just always say when i see those comments i always say to myself that person's just miserable and that's okay yeah it's usually not even a real usually if you look at who's writing those by the way they're all blocked profiles it's, it's not always a bot <laughs> but it's like someone has a fake account they set up only to be a to be a dick yeah. okay. like that's the only reason they're there so i just block them now i even have someone i have a friend who will go through and read my comments and read my dms just every couple hours and sometimes before i do and if they see just anything that's mean or hateful or trolling they just delete them so that i don't even see them that's so actually good starting like to that. get in my yeah, head yeah. a little bit sometimes when i get when i get enough money i'll get that I what, don't what, pay this person. They uh, just do it. It's about they love. love. That's because if you're hot, you can get people to do shit <laughs> yeah, for well, you that you wouldn't believe. You're that's like, not you look true. through all my personal stuff. Yes, I will, Kate. It's but, a girl. Then you should have plenty. Of, <laughs> then you should have plenty of people look through your stuff, Kate. But, right. but Kate told me like last week. I, a couple weeks ago, I had like a negative tweet. Some guy said something, and you said just block. Even, Even if somebody just makes yeah. you think. That puts you in a negative space. Mildly, well, there's this old, mildly yeah. there's this yeah. over familiarity. So they'll, they'll be joking with you as if they're your best friend. Yep. And it's like, I don't know you like that, man. And so if you are trying to say something snarky that you're just trying to be like a bro fist bump with me, I might just block you reflexively because, fuck, I don't know. Give me an LOL. Also, the, also <laughs> Give me an LOL yeah, exactly. and I'll block you. Yeah. If you're a grown <laughs> human and you do LOL oh. still, I can't have it. I just give you the smiley face emoji. That. If you're 14, cool, man. You still got another four months. But after that, you stop that shit. Don't you have a driver's license and be LOLing out there? Also, I, I'll just block people if it's about me. But you know when I get vicious and like the claws come out and I get so angry is when people say something about one of my friends. That's what I was just going to say. I go in hard on other oh, people yeah. to talk shit on friends. Yeah, like yesterday, my friend Bronston, who's a comedian, you probably know. He, like huge Bronson, guy. Yeah, yeah big yeah. tall guy, Bronston Jones. He sent me, he sends me postcards sometimes from the road, like just to be nice. And they'll say like nice things. Yesterday, I posted one he sent me and it just said, um, I love I love New York almost as much as I love you. Love Braun. It was just like a, he's my friend, and some dude was like, he said, "I love you," and you friend zoned him. Poor guy, what a loser! Like someone, said, and ugh, I was just, ugh. I got so mad. I was like, "Fuck you! Don't you talk like I will like?" And then I was like, "Why am I even?" Don't waste energy. Just block them. Just block them. Because there's no, that's just negative energy you don't okay. need to spend. Okay, so we teased this long enough for that. Yeah, yeah, to the sorry. question. I'm sorry, Eric. I fucked you Oh, up. look at this guy. Go ahead, Eric. <laughs> uh, so it started off with Terry Green Beans. It says. Uh, Terry Green Beans, by the way, went viral today on the internet. Really? Yes, because he's in Chicago and, you know, it's the polar vortex. And he put out a Paul Canerco Chicago White Sox jersey. Paul Canerco was on the White Sox. And he put it out on his uh, patio. 
for a minute or whatever, and it came back in like hard as a board. <laughs> it froze, <laughs> and it was it was uh, trending on Twitter, and it's got. I, is that, that because wait. Paul Canerco froze in the playoffs or something? That's inside baseball talk. Who but, is Terry Green Beans? I thought this was an actual Green Bean company, by the way. It's one of the it's that's one his, of the followers from uh, the Festival of Friendship. That's his handle, oh, okay. but he's a big uh, he's a big like Brody supporter, and he's oh, okay. good guy. Periscopes, okay. and he came out to my show in Chicago when I was out there a couple weeks ago. That's he cool. came down to the show, good guy, nice. positive. And then I turn on you know Twitter day, and I see I see that the the frozen <laughs> T-shirt, and it's like making it's being retweeted by everybody. So he went viral, and he and he that's pretty awesome. And he uh, you know claimed positive energy. Of course, you brought you him. brought him the positive energy. Maybe I don't know. Um, so, so Terry Green Bean's question was what or actually statement was I'm glad Brody and Tate worked it out. And buddy buddy C buddy who's also a festival of friendship fan. When did they or when did they make it uh, make up or did they ever do it in publicly or not off? And what happened? Can I know what happened? I don't I know what happened. Wrong, yeah, I need to know too. What happened? <laughs> well, if you want to talk about, I mean, I didn't think it, I thought we were doing great, but Eric wants to <laughs> focus on throw, drama. Throw a wrench in it. <laughs> I, I mean, you you are throwing a wrench into it, but hey, but let's, let's, I, I, I'll, I'll, I feel like if they're asking a lot, they've been asking a lot on there, so they're very interested in it's it. It's so nice they that should people know. are so curious about us. People love drama. Yeah, it is. People do love drama. The thing is, is we had an afternoon where we did another podcast. Punch I, I Drunk. I, I will, we will say the name of that podcast. It's Punch <laughs> Drunk. <laughs> um, And uh, you just come from... Chicago, the Cubs. No, but you'd come from somewhere. You'd just come off another podcast or something that... I may have, yeah. This was the here. This is what happened. The Chicago Cubs won the World Series, so I was hanging out with the Cubs. My friends, a coach, right? Being positive on the bus. On the bus, Ooh. I was got to do all that, the all parades. that stuff. So cool. Held the hardware. You wow. got it. Held the hardware. I was around it, and I and again, I'm I, and I'm never I never brag. I'm sharing, and I'm also showing. Like, sure. look, I'm a positive guy. I focus on because I played baseball in college. Yeah. I've done ASU. a lot of ASU, Arizona. Thank you. You're very allowed much. to be excited. I well, yeah, I so, excited. but the thing was, so he comes in to say to download all the inside information on this sports podcast, and I'm just an idiot on there talking to Tebow, basically. Okay. And so then, I feel like that all the harried previous day or whatever, whatever's going on, and then all that intention, and then like, who the fuck is this guy? Me. And then he's like, what, what is all this? And this is negative and fuck this. And then there was whatever uh, online with that, basically. Is that the gist of it? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I went in. And then there were some mean periscopes that when Brody went for walks. He'll he, walk. He, he does therapy. But that therapy is on periscope. And then it's available to everybody. And, you know, I, I don't know if there was a motherfucking of Tate Fletcher that happened or whatever. But all I knew is that I'd all, I was just sticking to what I knew is that I love uh, Brody Stevens' comedy. And I've always been a fan. Thank you. And uh, and then, you know, until Eric, of course, brought it up, like the gentleman he is, um, <laughs> I just thought, like, it, what had happened is, like, two large alpha gentlemen like Brody and myself, uh, the next time I think we saw each other was maybe your special or around that time. And I just decided, well, I just demand kindness. And I know that Brody is uh, inclined to that way. And I was just going to smile and, and say hello every time. And then we never had to speak about it again. Right. Until now, we call that to get it, it's, it's better to get it out. It's better to get that out and get, I get it over even, with. But I still don't even understand. I came so it's just to, weird tension. It was just it was an just argument. Weird. It was just an argument. I, online. Um, yeah, I, I came in uh, 
Triple E said, and Tebow. Come on, because Tebow's a huge couple. And you fans. were mad at me from a year before. No, I, I no, I, I was not. I no, I wasn't mad. I was okay. happy. I was happy. All right. So I was happy, <laughs> and I I came in there and I was talking about the Cubs, and then Tate said something about like me going to Bangkok, kind of like a, uh, like a, a like from Tony's shows, like the it was a little bit of like a roast roast. Uh, kill I wanted to hear about his experience and in, in what exactly happened. I it never, was just I never a, you know, it was just. And he was on a, he was on another vibe, and I'm on a sex play vibe, and he's on a on a Cubs uh. world. You know, his heroes have just won the World fucking Series. <laughs> That's what happened. And I'm over here talking about tranny dicks. You know what I mean? Oh wow! <laughs> and, and yeah, those deal. aren't the same. Like, no, I, different conversations, <laughs> different worlds. So that's what happened. We That's didn't meet on the same happened. vibration. We weren't on the same vibration. I get it. But I've had those issues before with like, I've butted heads with Tony. I've butted heads, I mean, Tony a couple times, but Tony's like a, a little brother to me. Yeah. So sometimes I get, you know, I've had some like mix-ups with guys. I've had, I've had arguments probably with everybody at the comedy store. Well, it's a small community and it's really like we see yeah. each other. So I mean, it really is. You see each other constantly. You know, there's nights I've come to the comedy store and been out of my mind. Maybe I just broke up with someone. Maybe I, someone just died and I'm being bitchy. But no one else knows what's going on with you. So it's entirely possible. We're almost like a family. There's yeah. dysfunction. There's it's a, lot a beautiful of, place you know? in that way, man. It's so yeah. But but the, that's kind of the beauty of it too is I feel like eventually this stuff all we all know each other so eventually everything kind of comes out works out I don't feel like there's anybody that I have like ever, this is healthy right here yeah we, you know I think so I've had I've had stuff happen like that with with comics. but that's where it was it was just yeah. kind of a crossing right. I came in specifically for baseball and I could see like if some people might not not say the, the internet makes stuff it. bigger than I mean it was like a whatever and then the internet it, you get somebody something to chew on oh, <laughs> and I'm sensitive. Crazy. I get worked up too. You know, I'm a crazy comedian. So, all you know, all that stuff happens. But I'll tell you what, Tate took the high road and uh, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, he's a real, you know, a real good guy. And, I, and I've gentleman. seen it. I've seen it. And I've heard enough. I'm not like, I, I hear enough like Tate's a good guy. Tate, I hear that. So I knew it was just, you know. If you ever don't hear that, you take a name and get me an address. <laughs> okay. Whoa. I heard it on Brody Stevens Periscope like three years ago. <laughs> well. I mean, I've attacked Eric. I don't go back. Periscope. I don't go back. I've got, I've got I a couple of my I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't. I've I got can't. a couple of my own Periscopes from him and they're, I just, but I watch him and laugh now because I know he'll get over it and I know he's just venting. Well, someone said something to me once that stuck with me forever. Like, um, this is the worst business for oversensitive people, but requires the most sensitivity to yeah. succeed yeah. like you have to be ultra sensitive to be a good actor a comedian musician i don't remember one That's of my great. somebody sent it to me in a text one time and i was like god it's so real because the best artists yeah. are ultra sensitive you can feel you're Huge. empathic but you're also that means you're gonna feel shit the most well, and then you know and then you gotta face the fire also which is crazy i remember when ari got divorced and he was like i just got to go down right away to the comedy store because I go, well, why? He goes, because all those guys are going to tear me apart and I'd rather get it over with sooner. <laughs> and I was just like, that is a great, but that was back in the day when the con there was a different tone there, right? That was a darker time. That was when you could get knuckled up in the back in the, yeah. you know, or whatever. And, and that's not like that, that now everybody is so much bringing everybody up together. It's a different, it's a different world. I think but. it's changed with social media a little bit. I really think everything, because it's almost now like, it's like the thing about defending your friends. Like you guys, 
guys can talk crap about each other all day, but if right. someone else talks shit about him outside yep. of this world, you're going to have his back either way because yep. it's like you know you yep. know what that, goes it's on. Never another, it's never another fellow comedian it, or somebody who's like in the hallway there. It's always some guy, yeah, on social media who doesn't know the relationship between... Sure. You know, I'll say like Tony and I have had like a couple flare-ups on video. So they Is think, that right? Yeah. But God, I bet they're hilarious. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But... You know, the internet, it's up there forever. So you get people right, who may right. say, and they don't, you know, they don't know the, the backstory. What do you think about that? Like now that things are forever, like what you did at 15, now you can uh, lose your job for today or whatever. Like that, I hate it. that kind of thing. It seems like a weird, it's like we don't give any room for anybody to grow. It's like, nope, I've decided this and then fuck you forever. Or what? Like, it's like nobody learns how to grow through life like that. Like we butt into each other. Those kids just shouldn't have phones too young in life to where they're, constantly filming themselves. What do you think the age is? 15 to 16. Yeah. I got mine but 16. But even that's dangerous because I remember at 16 we were out partying every night doing keg stands and things that we, you know, yeah. now I would never do a keg stand. I'm like, no, I'm cool. I'll just drink the beer. It's such a different <laughs> world, man. Like my nieces and nephews are, you know, six, five, and they have like um, Facebook Messenger for kids. It's like a kid's message. Really? Yeah. And in a way it's like, it's bad. I'm like, yeah. okay, it's cool. I never get to see them and I, and they can FaceTime me or send me whatever. But at the same time, it's like I deleted Facebook messenger off my phone and turned off all my social media notifications. Cause I felt like I was going to have a mental break from, I only have like 200,000 followers. Can you imagine what it's like for these guys with 8 million followers? Just const the constant. You ever watch somebody's phone when they go watch and they post and then you can see the the likes and the comments and shit happen on somebody that's got a million followers or something like that. It's fucking ridiculous. And if they have it on vibrate, it's I mean it like does it just doesn't stop. Take oh, the no, phone they, and they have fixed. to they have to turn their notifications off because it actually shuts down the phone if the notifications are on. Well, on and the million Jesus. followers. But also, I mean, I'm sure because you do so much mental positivity. Like I've tried to really have a balance of like comedy, but also like I think we have some obligation to use the platform to do something good. And like I struggle with certain issues, so I try to help people. But the problem with that is sometimes I get I mean there's a period where I was getting DMs from people all the time like I'm thinking of killing myself like there's pressure mm -hmm. people are saying I might kill myself that you don't know now if you answer now you have like a relationship with this person that's going to go on and there's a lot of pressure that I think it's just people don't sometimes realize and then you know your job is to be fun like I'll have people go why do you have KQ funny in your name if you're going to post inspiration it's like well right. you can't be funny all the like nobody no. can and also no. i'm you a know? whole fucking person jackass right. you right. know what i mean it's like yeah. that's why yeah. that's why eight six seven five eight face <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> i mean that's why i do a lot of <laughs> you know it's like oh really i'm sorry i'm diverse i'm only supposed to be in the one lane either i'm fits or i'm jokes what's up i know that's why i do a lot of just baseball retweets i like baseball so i do a little baseball retweet because i feel like I, I feel like baseball is a good, healthy, nobody's going to get offended by anything. And I feel baseball's wholesome for the most part. You and ever yeah. see Belladonna? Have you seen Belladonna? Uh -huh. The actress? Yeah. Yeah, what about her? And that Louisville slugger? I, I don't know what I'd that like is. To, That's not I'd wholesome. Like to see what it now. is it? It's oh, a, it's like it's she's crazy pregnant with a Louisville slugger with the fat end first. Oh, it's a photo. Uh huh. Oh, can you? I'm speak? sure we can. <laughs> can we'll get somebody on it. <laughs> Gino will look it up later. It's crazy. <laughs> that that uh, do you think that baseball is more exciting now or when you were playing? Is it is it getting better or is it like this is bullshit? It was better when or something like that. I think baseball is more exciting now, and there are better athletes. They're better. Um, you have better training. They throw harder. They hit the ball further. But 
and there's a lot of mental skills. There's a lot, every team has a mental skills guy. Every guy, every team has that. But you know what? You still need for baseball. You still need a little humor, and you still need winning. They don't teach. Well, you can throw a hundred, but they're not teaching winning. That's my opinion. And the reason why I say that is because my friend, who's with the Cubs, we grew up together in the San Fernando Valley. He's eight one eight eight one eight till we die. <laughs> He's got five World Series rings. He was with the Yankees for 12 years. So I was around the Yankees, that dynasty, and watching them win. And then I saw how he went to the Dodgers, and they did well here, and he developed a lot of players. Can he help the Tigers? Uh, Possibly. I mean, he's got job – he had a job offer with the Tigers, and Brad Ausmus was the manager there. The guy gets offers to to do that stuff. And But we grew up together, and everything I learned in the Valley – we played Little League together. I learned from his father. He was always a winner. And winning allows just for you to do other stuff. Like if you're if you win a World Series or win a Super Bowl, you can you'll always be that guy. And you'll be able to have a charity. You'll be able to help out people. True. In fact, Adam, who books the comedy store, mm-hmm. he grew up with Brazello, my friend who's the, the baseball coach. I taught Adam how to play baseball, Joe Torrey baseball huh. camp. No shit. Wow. Yeah. So baseball has always been baseball, coaching, pushing kids, but letting kids have fun, humor, and dealing with adversity. And I and I saw, you know, I saw how the Yankees did it, and then because I was able to have be on the inside. Same thing with the Cubs. So I just kind of when I started doing audience warm up at Best Damn Sports Show, I started applying that. But I also went to Arizona State, and I learned about mental skills there. I learned about positive affirmations, being a good teammate. I couldn't really get the meditation part down, but I learned about being a good teammate. And then they ended up keeping me as a coach. And I learned like, why do they keep me as a coach? Probably because they like my attitude, my personality. Mm-hmm. I'm lifting guys up. Yeah. So I just kind of, when I, I went into comedy and I was doing it for six years, but when I got the audience warm up at Best Damn Sports Show, I was able to apply what I learned in college there, and it worked for the show, and it created energy because I had a lot of high school football teams, high school baseball teams, so I can kind of push them a little bit. Guys, sit up. You want to meet Michael Strahan? You want to meet Pete Rose? Guys, <laughs> sit up. Let's go. And the show, we did a 1,000 shows. So then, then when I went to Chelsea and it was more streamlined, Chelsea Lady with just comedians, then I focused on being – being there for the comedians, being not fake. I learned about these fake audiences, you know, and it's like, I want, I, I'm not used to that. I'm not used to the fake and phony. I was like, I'm from the Valley. I, I, can, <laughs> I can see that. So I push that. And then when you have a comedian come up to you and go, bro, do you make, it makes a difference when you're there. When I started hearing more of That's that, cool. and same thing with That's the Valley awesome. stuff, they would say like, it's funny when you talk about the Valley. So I just kept doing it. So well, that's part of it, like Eric mentioned, like having <gasps> comedians will like assure you yeah. or tell you you're doing that's the right huge. thing. Like, you know, Joe uh, Rogan was like the first comedian back in 2000 who came up to me in the parking lot at the comedy store and said I was funny. Like he said, you're funny. So I kind of like was best. a little stamp for me. And I did audience warm up for the man show. He would always try to get me on a him with him and Stanhope. Your, your first audience warm up on on, on uh, the sports show. How did you get that? And you, and you were doing six years of comedy in 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 L.A. at that three time, or Seattle, in college? Three in Seattle, three in New York, and then in the year two thousand, I moved back to L.A. And right away, I got a spot on the Late Late Show with Craig Kilborn, who's James Corden now. And then I did a Comedy Central five minute deal. And I how I got the best damn sports show was from doing. Uh, 
Imagi, Miyagi or Imagi, over in the Gower Gulch on uh, Sunset and Gower. They had a, a oh, Wednesday, wow. Sunday bringer show. Rich Williams and Brian Burke would book this bringer show, and I would go, and I would host it, and I would bring my friends, and then they said, just come and host or do whatever. And then Rich Williams kept telling me, he says, I'm working on this Saturday Night Live meets sports show thing. Okay. And then one afternoon, cool. he called me, and he says, what are you doing? I go, nothing. He says, why don't you come down to the Fox lot? We're going to do a test show. This is 2000, 2001. And I went in there and I did the test show in front of like 30 people. We had Deacon Jones and no way. It was Reggie the Theus. Same day they called oh. you, you went and did it? Yeah, or it might have been the next day. But yeah, it was yeah. just out of the blue right yeah. there. And then I came in the next day and they, and they said, you know what, we're going to use an audience. You want the job? And I said, yeah. I never had, had a a TV or a job yeah. where I'm going to a studio. Like it's like a, a real-ass job. Like, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. serious shit. But I, I mean, I was getting paid not that much. But Still, I was in. You're in the game. Exactly. Doesn't matter. So yeah. Terry, Terry Green Beans is on fire today. He's got a, a tweet blowing up, and he's got another great question. Okay, another okay. question. He's gone viral. <laughs> uh, Congratulations. Are you going to start another up. fight though? Between no, no, no. It's not going to be a fight. Uh, he wants to know if Kate or Tate have any athletic background. Of course uh, they do. But go um, ahead. Let, let's let. I played everything growing up. Like I played soccer, basketball, swim team, karate. I was a dancer. I was a baton twirler. I like wanted to do everything you could do, and I still do. I still play volleyball. I can't believe we've never played beach volleyball. Do you ever baton twirl anymore? Um, ironically, I don't anymore. But you know, it's hilarious. You know, Megan Mullally from uh, Will and Grace. Yeah, she used to have a talk show called the Megan Mullally Show. And when I first moved to LA, I used to do paid audience work. And I was in line waiting to go in. This is like 12, 13 years ago. I'm waiting to go in for Megan Mullally. And uh, someone comes out and goes, does anyone have any special skills? Because we do this segment on the show awesome. where we bring someone from the audience up. And I was like, well, I twirl a baton. And they were like, really? Do you happen to have a baton? And I did. I had one in the trunk of my car because I was like going to the park and like twirling baton. So I said, yeah. So I ended up going on her show and like doing this whole like baton routine where you throw it and do a somersault and catch it. You have the tape? Yeah, but what's hilarious is Amazing. the first time I threw it, I did a somersault, I missed the first time. And the baton bounced into the audience, <laughs> like almost hit someone. And then she was like, this is all on TV. Like they didn't cut me missing. And then she's like, you want to try again? I'm like, yeah. And then I did it again and caught it. Nice. But it was Sick. so embarrassing Redemption. the first time missing. Who was yeah. doing the audience warm up? I want to know why I didn't I, get that I good. don't remember. <laughs> Always you, ask. But you know what's funny is I also went to a taping of Chelsea. And I wonder if you were doing the audience warm up because I mean, this was you the would have remembered. It was the first. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know who. She I didn't know audience warm up was even a thing. I right. didn't know there were fake audience members either when I did. Moved Chelsea here. do the paid audience. Back yeah, then? I did it. Oh well, wow. and Chel it paid more. Chelsea lately, for the most part, had all of her fans. That's like, what I thought. This is was that the what you mean by fake audience members? Paid audience, know. they get paid twelve bucks an hour to be there. And this was okay. the first season of Chelsea. In fact, it was one of the first episodes. It, yeah, I, yeah, I came yeah. in a little after, so it may have been. I came into Chelsea and it was just like folding chairs. It was like they needed help. Yeah. And then I brought the energy that I that I helped create a best damn sports <laughs> show and put that into Chelsea. And I remember and, boom. and I remember I was like because the sports you can push it a little more. And then here, Chelsea kind of like held back a little bit. And then I remember one day she said something like, Brody, why is the, the crowd so quiet? And I go, All right, you want me to push? I'll start pushing. 
And then I remember we had, uh, that's when I started pushing it, cranking up the music. And then we had Snoop Dogg on. I did like a Snoop Dogg thing. So so I just started pushing that show. And I know, because I've been on them as a a comedian, you don't want the fake audience. Like, I mean, they had real audience for the most part, but even at, at midnight, I'd have a lot of half paid audience and, you want to take care of the comedians. And I, I feel it's a reflection on me. And then I also feel like we have to give you candy for 30 minutes. You yeah. want to go see these guys do comedy tonight? You're going to, I mean, <laughs> right. right. I mean, it's not good. Yeah. There's also episodes of shows that, and I think this is what it was with Chelsea, if I remember properly. And Craig Ferguson did the same thing where they would just pay the first couple rows. And this is so sad, but they would put like, attractive people. people in the first yeah they would tell you it's aware and you would get paid more i mean chelsea was like a 100 bucks or something for like one taping it was like it was like for just moving here it's cash you're like perfect yeah, but it, it doesn't great. make the perfect show better when you have comedians on comedians could see through that of stuff. course so you have to sense. like break it down and i'd see like people the paid audience they'd be bringing in candy i go you're here for 45 minutes they right. were bringing candy yeah, I the mean, <laughs> they treat it like they work in show business then or something yeah. like that, right? And yeah. they're like, oh, I'm so tired of my job, and here I am with my decap. Well, I yeah, remember exactly. These I are, remember yeah, that. these are stand ups. We have to be in the moment. And I, I'd, I'd always say, like, we're on camera here. I go, people are depressed in the Midwest in snow. We're in LA. We got to look happy and bring energy yeah. and do all we, that stuff. We actually have really good paid audiences that are at the show I work on really good like they're always happy well sometimes they are excited for the show i feel like i mean our I, warm-up guy really get is really good too darren Capose. you met him he's oh, how come i didn't funny. get that gig <laughs> i'm kidding Even i saw a lot he was on a sitcom recently well really oh, yeah uh, the damon wayans one the new Very one cool. on cbs oh, cool. he played like uh he played an emt guy no some paid audiences like i did ridiculousness yeah uh, that would for be a, a few fun seasons one, yeah. so rob deerdick is funny and you're watching the videos and it's but it's not joke 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 yeah. joke right. so they're just laughing at videos and the guy and so my thing was like just be cool with the kids and that's it but when when you have a comedians and it's jokes it's, it's like i want to get that rhythm down let's go let's well, it's go it's kind of like when a room is comped like when when your audience is i hate that. like i did uh, i won't say the club but i did a club on the road it was a new club it was one of their first weekends and they basically papered out the room and the crowds were terrible but it's because they weren't there for comp they'd ne- most of them had never been to a comedy show they were tourists it was a tourist club they were walking by and the people were just like come in for a free show so people were like talking they were half listening and it was just it, in that case you're like i'd rather have 30 people who mm-hmm. pay than have 200 people who've never seen a comedy show because maybe maybe half are good but maybe half of but them but even the setup is like they're begrudging they're like I guess I'll go in yeah. or and then whatever. And then know? they're also That's like, okay, great. well, they, Arms crossed negative they talked right me there. into coming yep. in here make, make and now I have to buy two drinks. <laughs> you whatever. better be. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. And that's why I feel like comedians, we do matter because we are so in tune with connecting with people. We know what's going on and you, you see group mentality. You see yeah. all of these little, little things. And I mean, that's why I think comedy is so popular. You mean all like the subsections within the crowd of like, oh, this guy, these are clicked up. These guys all laugh when she laughs or yeah. what all that shit. Psychology, like it, oh. I, VIPs were bad audience members yep. too. Like I would, that would happen at Chelsea a lot. I'd get the audience are ready to go 20 minute, give them the 20 minute warm up. They're ready to go. And then they, you know, they'd save like five or six seats and they like come in on their phone and, 
and the crowd always like look at who are these people and you'd like lose the crowd like and then they and then the and then the VIPs wouldn't really laugh that much cuz they they feel oh I know the camera guy or oh, uh, my yeah. friends are writer or I don't need to be I'm here. an influencer yeah exactly <laughs> and it brings down the show it does yeah, it's yeah. like I'm trying to keep the show going yeah so yeah. I took pride in like my shows that I worked on stayed on the air for a while because I I believed in them and then you would just share you know positive energy and show like it does work because yeah. when you're next and i've done tests like where i would just shut down i go i'm gonna i'm gonna take a segment off just, nobody's gonna know just mentally turn off my energy mm -hmm. and like things would go wrong you know a light would go out they'd flub a line it's like when you put out negative it does right it can't affect it i think i think i trip out about like uh talk show hosts and like how they've got four minutes or whatever and then it's like Wrap it up, end it on a laugh, and then we're coming back after commercial break. It's like you're keeping to, to be able to get back into with your guest into a conversation after you have this dead time of commercials and like all that in between time, like that behind the scenes shit has got to be crazy. It's so important. Like, because if I watch stand up live, I don't care if somebody bombs or if they don't do what, like, because I like to see what they're doing. I like to but see how they're crafting you, you it and all that. appreciate the process. But if you're behind the scenes at something like that, it's so important that you're not just working up that you're slaying them you know it seems like it's yeah i get to watch our warm-up guy and he and i get to see what you do and it's not easy it's yeah. not easy to keep that thing going and then right when they go to the people that are on stage they're focusing all their energy on them yep. instead of you everybody's got and then you got to bring that energy back to you which is really that's a hard thing to do i mean the mental game of it of staying positive is so massive too because like imagine you know, I've been on the road before where I've been going through like a very difficult time, maybe personally, but you know, when you're, the minute you're on stage, at least for me, like I have to go up there in a good mood, excited to perform, positive, feeling bubbly. Even if you're like a dark comic, you mentally. Cause they'll sense it. You have to be in the right headspace. Yeah. And so like, if you don't know how to be in control of your positivity and you come off stage between the between shows, if you go into the dark, how do you get back? You yeah. have to be, it takes, it's almost like tennis. Like if you ever play tennis, it's you have mental. To, yeah. You have to be so focused. If, a, if someone screams when you're about to hit a ball or when you lose your concentration for a second, right. you're, you're going to lose the point. Yeah. 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 And I feel like it's the same way with, with comedy. And that's for me, like, I don't, I don't know, depending what you believe in, but like, I think I'm an empath. Like I really can like sense a lot of feeling and I can feel a tone of a room. And I've had to learn for me that I have to take days where I completely shut down to like recover because I used to just grind seven days a week and it was making me go insane. Yeah. It, I couldn't do it. You do, so, you do need some downtime. I mean, and now I listen to my body. If there's three days in a row where I don't have a spot and I feel like I need to take that time, I won't do what I used to do, which is like try to scramble to find anywhere to go on stage or do something. I'll just trust that, like, it's okay, Kate. Listen to yourself. Like, relax for a few nights. Like, you've like, earned that. Yeah, go exactly. You got you got in. You have your your you have your voice, your your character, your your yeah your point of view. Yeah, but uh, I think also it's it's like the time you put in. It's it's earning it, but it's also the longer you're doing it, the more you have to take care of yourself mentally right. because the more voices, the more feel, the more everything is coming at you. You got to assimilate more because there's more on top of you. Exactly. Do you guys ever feel like when you're in like a dark place that going on stage with one of your like you know, one of these creations of your stories, your jokes, or like changes your mood. And then it's like, oh, that I'm here with this thing that I'm presenting brings me a joy. I mean, I'll, I'll say I feel like when I go on stage 
I always feel better. You know, sometimes I'm ner- I have anxiety for cer- certain shows, and that's my own obstacle that I need to get over. But for the most part, I get on stage, and it's like, yeah, it's like riding a bike, and I'm happy, and I'm in the moment. It's like same thing with doing a podcast. I'm like picked up now. My energy is up. I'm right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, when, that's we're with, when we're with people, we feel better. Is yeah. this, exactly. Is this still the pre-pod? <laughs> um, do you want to do you want to get to these topics? Would you like to go over these topics today? Um, you told me to look up some topics for you, some popular topics. I mean, what were we? We were just on a roll. Yeah, but we have a we're on we're on a time constraint. You said you wanted more structure, so that's what we're doing. We're, but we're sometimes creating. you got to read the room and go. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that to the wind, and you know. But, but if you say you want structure, I've got you got to put structure in it. You can't throw it to the wind because that's not. Structure. But sometimes you have to make an executive decision. Okay. I did I did that the other night. I, speaking of warm up. I was doing audience warm-up down at the Laugh Factory, Long Beach. They're taping specials down there. Mm -hmm. So I went down there, and I went up and set the room up and captured the audience and let us know. No, I'm in. I'm in, guys. I just noticed I'm the only one that didn't have them. I didn't even realize you didn't have them. (laughs) But you were great without them. Thank you. Gino, your speedweed works. I just thought you didn't want to hear anything the whole time. I'm like, that's cool. Oh, my God, I'm the only one that's not a cool kid. But sometimes you got to make an executive decision. And that, that should have been to tell Tate to put on his headphones. <laughs> or not. He was doing great without it. freestyle. Thank it, you. You look natural. Thank it was you. organic. Thank you. This is an interesting question, though. I'm sorry. I'm cutting off your topics. But I want to ask Bernie <laughs> about this. Because for me, I tend to always write about things that I'm going through. Not even on purpose. But, like, you know, we're comics. Like, my brain goes, oh, this hurts. But what's funny about it? And then it often becomes a bit for me. But then sometimes I wonder if, like, for instance, like, I went through a breakup with a guy who does who was like a, a Wiccan, and so I do a whole bit about oh. da- dating a wizard now, and like the, all the weird stuff about wizards. And but sometimes I wonder, like I feel like it's I feel better when I make jokes about it. But then sometimes I also wonder if it's keeping the energy of that pain in your life somehow. Like if it's better to not do jokes about things that really hurt. Like what do you think? Do you do jokes about your personal suffering i i think there there's some inspiration for it you know he vandalized so a dollhouse I, vand- I really did vandalize a dollhouse in sacramento when i was a kid that's painful I about painful for the dollhouse painful for me <laughs> is it painful wait what is <laughs> i mean there's some jokes i do that are like based out of truth but i've done them so many times now you don't it's, feel it anymore i don't i don't feel it yeah. anymore do you ever date anybody specifically because you're like i'm gonna get good jokes out of this relationship that's evil i know that's <laughs> I, but i know how diabolical comics can be no, I haven't been. I mean, maybe back in the day. Well, maybe one date. See, I would maybe go on one date because I'm like, I probably wouldn't go out with this guy, but it might be a good story. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't lead someone on right. beyond like if I go out with them once and I'm not feeling it, I wouldn't, con- I wouldn't continue dating them for the story. Yeah, but okay. like I never would have gone out with a porn star if I wasn't like this could be a good podcast story <laughs> and probably good sex. Well, I didn't know if that was going to happen, but I'm just saying like, but then, but then I ended up liking that person. So I went out with them longer, but I definitely wouldn't have like dated them just for the story. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, for me, I get up there. I'm just trying to be silly in the moment. And when my jokes don't work, they like that also. You know, they, well, your, your reactions. I mean, you still, you, you milk that too. You're great at it. But but it is natural. Like when I put, when I put the mic down and like, I am like frustrated. I'm not mad, but uh, I am I am frustrated. Like 
gosh, why aren't you liking that joke? But I also know as a performer that, that I've done it enough laugh. that they laugh at that. I put down the mic, and especially since I have, I've been kind of like sober-ish, a little more connected with the audiences. As long as I'm not like too high or on Red Bull or whatever, they 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 like it. Like Tulsa, Oklahoma, for example. Like last week, I did the show it was packed, and they're laughing at my jokes. But some of my jokes they weren't laughing. I go, "Come on, man, I'm a good guy." Yeah. But you got to write for that too. If you could yep. do, beat it down too much and keep going back there, but if you write for it, but yeah. I've noticed that they like that. They like when you're real. They like when you're honest. And they I don't like it. I don't like leave those spots in there. And then sometimes at the comedy store, it depends. Like. I could be fired up and I'll say some stuff and I push and I push and I think keeping it silly, keeping it light. And then I like doing the crowd work. Where are you from? What do you do? And then I connect them. I get a, I get a kick out of doing that. It looks like magic when, I mean, the people that do that deftly, it's just like, it looks like, ma it looks like it's all set up. Like you, Ingram, like there's people that do that shit and you're just like, how they knew everything before. Well, well, I think. I mean, when you're in L.A., when you play, I mean, if you're playing the comedy store all the time, you get a night like Rick probably has tons of Australian jokes and Canadian right. jokes ready yeah. to go. He's you know that. Offer. But there's times like, honestly, I'll be doing shows even in yeah out of town in Chicago. I don't know where these guys are from. I don't know what they do. I don't know their name. But for some reason, a, a lot of the time, it just seems to work out. It just seems to like be there for me. And I don't know what it is, what I'm tapping into. I don't know. It could be it's my cool. Southwestern energy roots. <laughs> I, but I do believe in some of that. I do. And I, and I, I mean, I'm, I was born Jewish, raised Gemini, I like to say. But I, <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't fully go into like the Jewish <laughs> structure. I went more into like spirituality. Well, I think, I think the line, this sounds weird, but I think the line between like comedian and psychic and yeah. I, I don't mean necessarily like a real psychic that can predict your future but like a but psychic path i think it's a thin line because i think that you a really talented performer really can read people so well and that's really what most psychics are doing like i don't think they they're just reading you so well that they're saying what you want to hear like it's a really fine line but it's, or it's real. magic but they have the audience member yeah. has to be open to it if they're going uh, where am I right. from? What high school did I go to? I go, I can't play that. It's got to be like organic they and have to neutral. Like you. They have to like you. It's like, don't you? Th I think that you win the minute they like you. Like every time, I always go out there to make them like me first, and then I can do anything I want. Right, right. But like, I'm sure when you go on the road, you probably do open with local, something local or crowd or something to like, like I always try to open with something that either just happened to me or just happened in the news or something about their town. Yeah. Like connect with them. Yeah. You're present. You're not just doing, reading off your jokes. Yeah. Because then also they're, oh, this is a real person. Yeah. Oh, she's telling me, even if it's not she funny or it's it. moderately funny, it's not great material, but I'm like, well, this is funny that happened today. I'll tell them about that. Now they know I'm not just like a robot up here reading them jokes, you know? Exactly. And then I feel like you can get away with almost anything after that. They're on your side. Yeah. We have Gino, Gino. sitting in. Gino, Gino from Speedweed. Yes. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Yeah. You are welcome, <laughs> Gino. Gave me a little uh, care package. Well, Festival of Friendship is is a great podcast for me to be on because everyone here is my friend, and uh, you know, for for ten years that I, I've been connected to the to the store and the comedy community, um, it, it's never been just about hey, 
be a weed guy and smoke weed with people. It's really about the relationships that that you cultivate. And as you guys were talking, um, I was sitting on the couch listening to you about the family that's around the comedy store. And um, I really feel blessed to be a a small part of that and to be a fly on the wall um, at the store and backstage and things like that and and see how um, comics craft their material and and evolve and and go from one place to another and uh and you guys mentioned that earlier and uh um it's something that uh is you you can't um Gina's getting emotional yeah well, I'm also I'm also high you know oh. that's, that's, that's what happens. Uh, but uh you know I, I I am emotional about it because um it's uh it's a real privilege to be part of that family uh especially as an outsider and um uh you know I, I can't you know, thank everyone enough for, for what what they've done for me as well. Oh yeah, you're you're a big yeah. part of the store. You're there all the time, and sure. you're 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 a part of it. I, I I always say with the with the comedy store, there's there's room for everybody. That's the thing now. You have Don Barris upstairs with the Ding Dong Show. You could <laughs> oh, uh, so I play around with Don. You know, he's always going to be open to playing around. He's yeah. always looking for new stuff. Same thing like when he goes in the OR at the end of the night. The comedians, yeah, maybe they didn't get on stage. Maybe they're not past regulars. But they can get their jokes in and play around and and do something with that. And now you have uh, Kill Tony. All the comedians come in there on Monday nights, knowing like, hey, I have a chance to get up and be seen. And it's it's and same thing with the roast battle. I watched it last night, and with Brian and Jeff Ross and all. It's just it is a big community. Sure. And uh, it's it's like you have no you have no excuse to like stay home. I mean, you can stay home and isolate. You can, but you know that it's there for that you. It's there for you yeah. pretty much every night. You, you from the door guys to the to the it's bar warmth. staff. You walk into warmth. It's like walking into a hug. You know, yeah. you, you see all those people. There's everybody welcomes and smiles. It's, it's amazing. I always say it's like a family reunion that's always available. And it's, it's like cool. not everyone there is your favorite family member, but you're all family. You all like and if you there's definitely been nights that I am just kind of in a rut and I won't even have a spot. And I'm just like, I'll just pop in there. And I almost always leave feeling better. Yeah. You sure. know, and especially now with like the back bar and there's like so many more places now, too, where you can even go and. If you don't want to talk to strangers, you don't even have to. You can literally just go right. and see the other comics, and like it's it's so nice. I love it. Yeah, that was my my first club, I, and I because I grew I grew up here in L.A. And then my mom, she dated her boyfriend Jack, who lived lived over in Alta Loma. So like in the mid '80s, I'd be looking at the comedy store, and I just knew something was going on. That sunset, some kind of energy was going on there. It wasn't the improv. I didn't even know about the Laugh Factory. Those were like too bright. You know, they had the evening at the improvs and all that stuff. But the comedy store was just something I would see the lights. Yeah. And then I remember when I took the, com- the comedy store workshop, when I was done with college uh, playing baseball, I saw that UCLA was offering uh, Sandy Seashore, P- Polly's sister, the late Sandy. She was teaching a workshop at UCLA. And then the graduating class was at the comedy store. So I knew... Back then in 93, I was going to get comedy store tutelage, comedy store advice. Wow. And to have our my first club appearance ever to be at the, in the original room, you know, pack it in with friends and all that. But that, I was just drawn to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And it's something, I, I don't know if it's, it's probably, it's from Mitzi, Pauly, the lighting, the, where it is on the sun. I, I was drawn to it and it was always about characters are welcome you know we don't we don't we want we want you to be yourself don't try to be some don't try yeah. to be something you're you aren't 
it's like Kevin Lee Light, like mm -hmm. rest in peace, like Kevin, like Hollywood Jesus, you know, like right. that was a place like that guy probably in many places, people are like, what is this guy doing? Like he's weird. But at the comedy store, he was just warm energy. He was just yeah, a just staple. Up, like, you're just happy to see Kevin and yeah. get a hug. And like, it's just, I feel like that. It's a very welcoming, welcoming place for the people that maybe feel like they don't fit in right in a lot of places yeah yeah know? i've never been to i've never been to the laugh factory ever but it's like there's <laughs> something about the building that it's like you go right up to the sidewalk that, that it looks dangerous almost i'm like i don't even know how to navigate that building i'm gonna <laughs> avoid that i'll just keep on going and then you get to the comedy store and it's like everybody's written their names on it it's so homey it's almost like where you know he's now five foot eleven, and you put your name by it on the door jam or something. Right. But that's the whole building is this. It's dark. Yeah, it's, it's dark. A beautiful it's, fucking idea. I mean, it is dark, and yeah. Mitzi, you know, had had it that way. Mm -hmm. But there is a warmth to that darkness. Yeah. yeah. You, like I said, and no knock on the Laugh Factory. No, you no. go there. It's very. It's bright. Well, it's also different. The Laugh Factory has never been a, hang, a, hang, a hang spot, right? right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you can't hang there even unless you're a paid regular. So you can't just, you open micers can't wander in there and have a drink. I mean, it's really a showroom. I'm a safe space over there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I need to get a banner and go over there and just talk to some people this afternoon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, for me, at, uh, the Laugh Factory and the Improv and other places in L.A., it feels like I'm going in uh, into another fraternity's fraternity house and, instead you know, uh, whereas the comedy store is, is you know, just home. That yeah. really is a, sec a second home. And I, and so I feel cool. like, like um, you know, I, I get to see my friend Tate, I consider one of my best friends, and we probably spend most of our time together at the at comedy the store. store. Yeah. Oh, it's so weird when you see a comedian outside the comedy store during the day mm -hmm. that you've never seen. Like, mm -hmm. I don't mean like a friend you hang with all the time, but like one day I ran into Jason Rouse. You know Jason yeah, Rouse, yeah. right? Canadian, sure. Yeah, I ran into him in Griffith Park hiking during the day. Oh I was hiking. Gosh. Yeah, did, exactly. Did he have a leather jacket on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm dying to know what he was wearing. I'm sure he did. <laughs> Combat yeah. boots, smoking. <laughs> he had on shorts and a, a tank top. It was like, for people that don't know, Jason Rouse looks like a total metal head. Like totally. he had a grill. He has like the big like loop things in yep. his ears and tattoo. Like he looks like a guy that could kill you. Yep. And so to be out in Griffith Park, at like noon in the sunshine and I'm and I saw him and it was just the most surreal and he's like hey Kate all like smiling cool. he's like, always Whoa. so positive yeah but it's just it's so bizarre because it's like sometimes I forget like we're not just creatures of the night like people have lives during the You're day. like oh god he's well-rounded too right he's I, not just tits and jokes I even said it to him I go you hike he's like you do like it was the weirdest moment he's like I'm not I'm not purely metal yeah. For for me, the uh, that a similar situation happened where I saw a boon outside of uh, the wow, comedy store. Where was that? Where? I, 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 and, it, and it was it was nine in the morning, and uh, he was just at the comedy store till two in the morning uh, on a Tuesday night. This was a Wednesday morning, and I seen him at McDonald's, and uh, he just had multiple newspapers spread out, and he was reading them all. And I was like, this is an interesting part of Boone that I would have never guessed that he's wow. sitting there reading the paper at McDonald's. You know, maybe, maybe, he's just folding his bed up. Well, <laughs> you know, I, maybe he's an academic that we don't know about. Could be. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If you come to the comedy store just a couple hours earlier than you, nor it's a different world. It's a different like you world. and you and I get an appreciation. Sometimes I'll go early when the club opens, uh, those first shows, it's and you weird. and you see those door guys really hustling, and yeah. mm -hmm. and yeah. there's not a lot of turnover. They 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 like their job. Yeah. They enjoy it. They and they do a really they 
really good effort. I can't even imagine the Tetris that they do in the parking lot. Oh, I, yeah. I'm in I can't awe either. of every guy that does that. Even if you bumped a couple cars, I get it. It's got to be hard. I'd be so me. terrified parking the cars terrified. back there. I couldn't do it. I could barely park here. I couldn't do it. <laughs> um, we'll do a little more here. Kate, let me ask you a question. Yes. Super Bowl. You're a Ram fan. I'm a huge Ram fan. How did you become such a huge Ram fan? I know we're shifting gears, but let's get this I love in. Because get, it's, no, gotta, I wanted to talk it. about Super Bowl. Well, um, really, it's just because I grew up football. I'm from Canton, Ohio. So football Hall of, Hall fame, of fame, you got yeah. it. Yeah, and so football was huge where I grew up. You did not miss a high school football game. It was totally the town where, like, the only goal was to date a football player, make out under Even the, the kicker. I dated the kicker. Oh, I, really? Yeah, I dated the kicker. He actually got like a skull. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I feel like Look, I'm still bragging. I feel like it was gracious <laughs> to date the kicker. Well, he was actually like the best kicker in the state. So mm -hmm. he was like a score. Um, but, I, <laughs> but anyway, so I always loved football. When I lived in Ohio, my family would go to Browns games. And then I went to college in Chicago. I would go to all the Bears games. Soldier Field. Yeah. So when I moved to L.A., like, I just, I missed football. And I always said, whenever we get a team, like, I've been here now 12, 13 years. I'm like, when we get a team, whatever the team is, like, I'm going to be the hugest fan. Mm -hmm. So people are like, oh, you jumped on the Rams. I'm like, yeah, because I, I just wanted a team. So when they got here, Brad Williams bought season tickets the first season, and we would go to the games, and they sucked, you know? But now... I go to I go to as many home games as I can. I'm so lucky. You're like a super fan. Well, I'm a super fan. One, two. I'm just I'm so so lucky because the marketing guys came to the comedy store one night and one of their girlfriends like loved me, and so she's like, oh my god, you got to come to the games like as much as you can. So during the regular season, I was very lucky, fortunate. I got hooked up with tickets, but then playoffs, I was like, fuck it, I'm getting tickets, and I went to the Dallas game. It was awesome. Oh man. But I have mixed feelings about this. I'm so excited they're in the Super Bowl, but I do feel like it's slightly like that whole call, that whole one bad call, you know about mm -hmm. like yeah, it, last week. I feel weird a little about it, and also I'm friends with a coach of the Saints, and so it's like a weird. It was a weird feeling. What was the call? The pat, no pass interference. Yeah, there was like a um, there was a call when there was like I think there was the a minute and forty five seconds. Of everything. Yeah, like if that call wouldn't have if the. It was a bad missed call. It was a helmet-to-helmet -helmet hit. It was pass interference. And if the refs would have called it, probably the Saints would have won. But then there were other, like... They had an opportunity, though. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, the Saints had a chance also to, like, run the clock down, and they passed instead. Like, so what I'm hearing is, fucking, you had your chance, Saints. Sorry about it. I know, but of course, like, everyone is saying that it's tainted. So it's kind of like taking some of the fun out of, like, they're in the Super Bowl, but... Whatever, I'm still no, excited. no, no. They're in the Super Bowl. There's only one. There's only one guy that has his hand raised at the end. That's and if, true. And if that was them, that's yeah. it. Doesn't matter. Like that game is history. I mean, they yeah. had what the tuck rule with Tom Brady <laughs> against the Raiders all those years ago, and yeah, they right. fumbled it. And they said he tucked it, and that that was uh, you know. There's always a, a questionable call, right? And, like there's always something, but but I am excited. I wanted to go so bad. I wanted to say one thing on yeah. this. The Rams have now made it to two Super Bowls off of bad play, bad penalties, and guess what the other one was? 1999 versus the. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They what was call, it? They call it the Tampa Bay rule in the NFL now. The Bird Emanuel catch where he caught it and he, his hand was on the ground. Nobody remembers. But it was the Rams that did it. And so they made it to two Super Bowls now off well, sorcery. I'm sure that off, yeah. Lots off of teams have. 
But think about this. If that call had been in the first half of the game, no one would even remember it or be talking about right. it. It's just because of the timing. Because of the pussies that want to whine because they're losers now. Sorry. Yeah. Tate, you know? are, you, are you a football guy? No, I, I, didn't, I didn't even know how long the Rams are in town. I, did they just come this year? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anything at all about it. I found out that there was going to be the Super Bowl because uh, somehow I got on some Gary Vaynerchuk list. And he's like, come to the Gary Super, v. Super Bowl party in Atlanta. And I was like, I can't make what? it. What? Let's some, go. Like YG, I think, is playing there. And like, yeah. yeah. Do you YG. listen to? Do you watch Gary V videos? Oh, only on his, uh, only his little blurbs now and then. And then sometimes some of my guys send me clips. But I've seen, he's pretty. Uh, he's I pretty like good, him. He's right? pretty, pretty spot on. You know, I think it's interesting that guys like him, like orders like him, and Jordan Peterson, and like and comics really are in. Such a, a force. I mean, those guys wouldn't be there before because there was never a platform for them before. But like, comics have always been like the holders of uh, free speech and change, really. In a, in a yeah. lot, of, in a lot of ways, you know, and True. and uh, and and changing big social tones. Like, I mean, I I don't think that. I mean, you can you can make an argument that Richard Pryor did as much for uh, racial relations coming forward than uh, Martin Luther King, or almost like he's very important and underplayed in in that whole. Yeah, kind of overturn of old ideas and to, to get idiots to laugh at themselves for the lunacy of it all, right? And like, and I think now too, when I hear comics coming up, especially women, like with the whole Me Too movement, and you hear, and you hear, and you've got to be, you've got to own all your words, you're saying them on stage. Like, there's a huge fucking importance when you speak on things like that in a public forum that's now taped forever. It's and true. so you hear like Chappelle and these guys go out about it, or you hear. Uh, people like Whitney comment on it or whatever and, and in, in these shows and it's like it's smartly like how do you feel about the responsibility of that because you're up telling jokes but at the same time you're leading young minds especially that love comedy I mean when I fell in love with comedy it was Andrew Dice Clay cassette tapes yeah you know <laughs> and and uh, and then you know I was a little kid and so like you're leading minds in a huge way of like here's another way because like that, that's what truth is right is what perspective we're mostly holding like the most of us hold this perspective that racism is shitty or whatever. And, and, and you look at that, but like you guys color the, the lens that people look through a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, you know, social media and all that stuff. I don't get political on stage. I feel like it's just going to set me up into getting into trouble. Unless it's to defend the Valley and then the Valley till you die. But, but to me, the Valley is not middle America and, and not political. <laughs> You know, well, I, I feel like the Valley is middle America. I feel like baseball is America. Is America. The Valley is blue collar. Baseball is America. I have to speak in code because I can't really get into something because people are going to, oh, you're... Uh, I don't you're, get political. You're, right. Oh, you're right wing right. or you're conservative. Yeah, not everybody chooses to do it, but I'm just... But I don't get political, but like me too and, and issues like that, I think I can't help but talk about it because it's such a huge part of my personal life. So for me, it's like... And also, I think that what's cool about comics, though, is we have a way to impact people that's almost... Um, like we're doing it subliminally, right? Yeah, you know, because no. we're not coming right it's out on and the saying low, it. For yeah, sure. yeah. So I mean, it's all—it's almost like we can get a pass to make it. There's definitely times that I've done jokes partly because they're funny, but also because I actually care about getting this message across. Right. So I think there is something to be said about that. The only reason I don't talk politics is because the minute you do. You have to deal with like the trolls we're talking about earlier. Right. The level of huge, that huge. goes up so much, and it doesn't go up just for that one joke. It's like the next ten things you post or say after that, mm -hmm. they come at you with venom, 
and it's just it's it's a lot for me I, it just takes a big toll mentally get, it's not it's, worth it it's weird when you let down the people following you too because they don't know whether i'm they're like right yeah i thought you were fucking on our side bro and i'm like like that they can't figure out like is he liberal is he conservative or whatever i'm glad man fucking those like why keep them guessing what are we doing yeah but what are we doing like going I, I want to think of you only in this small little way. And it's like, it's like, that's a, it's such a crazy idea to diminish a human to like this category or something. Yeah. They'll, sure. uh, you'll, you can, yeah, you think about, and you hold back. That's, I hold back right. sometimes. But I'm also, I, yeah, I, I'm not equipped to deal with all that. Like, we are sensitive and the social media, I don't right. think it's like a human, you know, nature thing. It's like a, it's pulling, pulling our biology apart. I feel like it's our, we have evolved technology to the point where it's ripping our biology apart, kind of. Yeah. Like, we can't catch up evolutionarily to our phones. And, and, but, <laughs> yeah. and that's why, honestly, I put out, I, I say, I'm just positive. And it, it's worked for me, and I've seen it work for others. I, I'm only, I mean, I've been around su some successful people based off, I know I'm putting out positive energy and supportive and i've had them come back and tell me so i know it mm -hmm. and then i have other you know you just when you believe and it's and it's fun it's more fun to be positive and silly and i was always like a nice kid but i think where i took it maybe to another level because when i went up to seattle i was hanging out with my friend tana who is a samoan guy he's samoan he's happy yeah. islander thing and i was such in a jock world and then I got to be in this other world of being happy. And it was like, being happy was fun. It's funny about a jock world, right? Because like the, the, the not happy part of that is like, we're working hard. Because you always want to show off to your coach or other people or whatever how hard you're working. And so like, it, it, it can easily fall into a, a resting asshole face. Yeah. 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 They don't get it. They, uh -uh. You know, and it's like, I, I had it's some, funny. you know, run in sometimes with some teammates in college. You know, you're always being funny. But I wasn't like trying to be funny. But I just, I just saw the results of... I've seen too many results from it. So for me to say that doesn't work. And then also just my upbringing, growing up in Reseda, divorced parents or whatever. It's like, I'm just being truthful to what I see. But You're just being real. You're being authentic. You're just living what, I mean, you're being positive. But like I had someone, I posted something the other day about like, um, the, our greatest addiction is talking about what's wrong instead of our joys. And if you can mm -hmm. flip that, right? And then- uh, some people in the comments were like, well, yeah, that's Hollywood privilege. That's easy to do. Hey, whatever, I was going to ask right? you, do you get called Hollywood elite? Oh, no, because I'm not. So funny. <laughs> well, you me, do? me neither, yeah. motherfucker. No, but yeah, I mean, it's I, hilarious right? to me. I'm people, like, wow, you guys are disconnected. People like, don't get that. Yeah, but I understand why they would think that because they look at it from the outside. Like we forget how like fortunate we like it's crazy that you walk it backstage at the comedy store and you're just talking to everybody that these people all over the country are looking at like oh my god I would kill right. to meet and we forget that and so they put you into that same right category but like it's just I think that's why for me I've been trying to be more open online like dice gives me andrew dice quite gives me a hard time actually because he's like don't show them so much of your weaknesses your softness your real person that like what's going on like they don't know you they don't care don't but i'm like but i want them to see that we're just like that we're just regular people that are struggling that, he comes out of a different time of comedy too though it was a harsher time i think then and they didn't want to show their tricks and the, i mean we don't we live in a transparent society now that Dice for sure didn't grow up in. I mean, those comics totally. of that era back in the '90s that were just fucking ginormous. They they didn't they don't have any idea of this right mm -hmm. now. You know, 
That's true. What do you think, Gino? You want to make a political statement? <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, both sports and politics, I have the same policy on. Uh, I don't pick sides uh, for, for anything because once you're talking to someone, if you're not on the same side as them, then y your relationship gets sometimes tainted. So I, I never, you know, you, we're talking about the Super Bowl. If the Yankees aren't in it, I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're definitely not. Yeah. I mean, I also think if you never talk politics or you don't talk about big issues, like social issues, then when you actually do, people listen a little more. Like the few times that I have said something, it's because it's it's moved me to a point where I'm like, I have to say something. Even if it's only to this many mm -hmm. people, I would feel like I was doing a disservice if I don't. I feel like the, the line I don't, I, I want to be useful in what it is and I don't want to complain. So yeah. am I registering a complaint online? Like, I don't like racism. Well, great. You're an idiot. Not, neither do none of us. We Nobody don't, you, don't, you don't have to post that. Right. You know, or whatever. Same, it's like, yeah. is this an actionable thing? Like, hey, call this senator because fucking they're, you know, murdering dogs at this <laughs> humane society. That's or a whatever. real thing. That's an actionable thing that I can put out there. It's not just a, a mild complaint where I'm just like emoting to the fucking interwebs, That's which a is great just point. making noise, basically, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's in it. It is hard because it's everywhere now. It's it's, you know politics it's in advertising tv billboards you go to the hospital every everything i go what, what it's everywhere so it's really hard it can it can like bum you out too at times True. it's a weird that we put that much on it it's just like the flat to me that shit is like the flat earthers i didn't know <laughs> you didn't even I, know they existed. i had no idea it was flat now that it's flat and that i know that makes zero difference in my life if it's round again, it makes zero difference in my life. <laughs> if Putin and, and Trump make out, makes zero, di zero differences, no differences in my life. So it takes me away. So it's being irresponsible to my own course in life to be distracted by some shit that I can't control and can't take control. away what I am responsible to control. And then I just get these big shoulders from procrastination then or yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? It's like it, it puts me in a hole where I can't win. Well, that's the best advice. Focus only on what you have and what you can control, not right. what you don't have, what you can't control. You just keep focusing on what you have and, you know, do what you can control to get to what your next step is. That's all you can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, on the politics side, you, you just mentioned the distraction of it. I, I sometimes wonder, I feel like I don't have enough time in the day to, you know, I'm always looking for more time to get more things done. And some people are so involved in politics uh, that just like you said, doesn't affect their, their real life. Right. But all day long, they're thinking about it. They're listening to conservative talk radio or whatever radio. And, and then they're talking to other people about it and, and it just encompasses their lives now. And, uh, you know, there's so much life outside of, uh, that for yourself and your family and your friends that shouldn't touch w with politics. It doesn't matter to me what who anyone voted for here. I'm still going to be friends right, with everyone here. Right. So well, there, was a time, guy. there was a time when that was okay, and now that's it's, how, that's now it's like if you up. have another idea, I'm like, how did we not get okay with who somebody chose? Like, what does that matter to me? Like, I don't I don't have ideological differences where I want to fight my neighbor now. That's insane. But don't you think that when someone is so obsessed that that's just another form of addiction of and they're just <laughs> using politics to distract from what's going on really with their life and inside them and that's all that is. But now you got collective addiction. So so this person's addicted and so is that person. So they think it's okay to just uh, augment it and make if it. We're all smoking meth together. Nobody's pointing a finger at the meth smokers, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that. It's like, well, we all believe the same crazy shit. So, like, you're a good guy. You know, like that. 
it yeah. doesn't work in reality. I just get frustrated because comedy in show business in Los Angeles or like right it's like it is hard to like shut down and not especially when you're trying to get jobs too, you know? So it's scary to shut down, especially like you shut down for even just this weekend. I had a, a hard family situation, so I was just like I need a few days. I just needed time. I didn't go do spots. I didn't do anything for a few days, and it even freaked me out like man, is anyone going to book me next week? Like, you get in your head a little, like, are people going to forget? There's so much competition, but I think that you just have to take care of yourself. And, and then you rise up when you're at, you know, your best level, when you're your best version of you, then people yeah. want to work with you. I mean, there's times I don't, yeah, I won't go to the roast battle or I'm not at, you know, something at the comedy store. And you think about a lot of most people aren't at the comedy store. Right. You look at it that way. I mean, it's not like the whole world's there. No. So you can't like. You gotta just do what feels right. Yeah, I think you really and, do. And I'm gonna do what feels right, which I was gonna let you know. You have about 15 minutes left, and I thought maybe every podcast you end with like a lighthearted game. This was a great podcast today. Game. Like, but wait, we you got we... sound effects theater. You I got echo chamber. I'm not gonna. Do, I don't. I'm, I'm not set up for those. Okay. I think I think this is a nice natural. We'll okay. we'll descent here. Eric, what do you think about all the the? You want to make a political statement? Uh, definitely not. I always avoid them. I tell you that all the time. <laughs> I don't have any. Trying to set you up. I, I'm a middle of the road guy. I don't get on any side. That I means know MAGA. It's, it's a loss either way. <laughs> that means MAGA right there. I know, I know <laughs> the code. Talk. I know the code talk. But you know why? I'll tell you why I think comedy is so popular is because you get in that room and you're not on the internet. You're in the room with different. The comedy store is diverse. It is. It's diverse. Men, women, black, white, whatever, gay, straight, Eurasian, everything. And all it's that. and you're in that room yeah. and you're and you're laughing. You're having a good people do get along. When but when you look at the news or you're looking at Twitter, you think right. people hate each other. Right. And then you know what? Right. They really don't. You go to the comedy store, yeah. we're getting along here. There's not like there's you know, it's not it's a like, great point. Yeah. It's usually only blackout drunk people that are fighting. At the comedy store, yeah, and that's we, racist, and, and we eject, we, yeah, we eject them. Yeah. And because comedy, I mean, you're right, comedy is still the one place where we get to say what they're th they want to say. That is the yeah. one place we get to say the thing that they all wish they could say, and we get to say it, and they get to go, "Holy shit, they said that! I wish I could say that." Like that's the to me, that's the best part. Yeah, you guys speak comedy. for people's significant others for all that stuff. For right, people that are strained in relationships. It's like because they get honest as fuck. Dude, which is what comics do. I've that's had guys. My whole show is like literally saying all the shit that I know all the girls want to say to their boyfriend but right. can't, and that's I literally perfect. have guys that's come smart. up to me after and go, "Yo, you the rest of this date might be a little." weird because you like good it yeah. should be weird. high five chip. yeah good luck bro <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but really you know like that's the whole point is to make you think too like you know that's the somebody said something uh she goes what you think about all day is your god and so like if i'm thinking you know it's like it gives people if you're thinking about like politics or you think about what whatever, whatever the fuck it is <laughs> even your money or what just I, I like to notice my mind and go, what is it that I'm obsessed about today? Because that's the thing that I'm making the primary thing of my heart's desire. That's, wow. my, that's my God today. And, and, uh, and does that do me service? And does it even service me getting the, the whatever that Godhead is that I put it on that thing? It's like, yeah. no, man, getting outside of myself and being a service to others brings the thing in that I want. And to think about it all the time kind of repels a solution. It's like, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, you're right with money and finances or career. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. it's like, 
yeah, when you put too much pressure on it, it does repel. But when you just go open-minded, I'm going to help. It's like helping others, right. volunteering. You right. put it out, it does come back right. to you. Yeah. And like totally. re retraining the mind, I guess, you know? Living in the moment and just trusting that you're where you're supposed to be. And they, you know, inspirations, they, they do matter. I talked to a shaman. Though Jim Florentine gave me the name of this guy and he was like, this guy changed my life and so many people I know you got to call him. And I called him and like, I'm still talking to him, but I mean like literally. It's like a 1-900 number? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Old school. She's like, hey. No, but like literally like it's just when you talk to someone who is who is open and and like willing to help you just shift your mind into positive. It's just positive. And it's talking. all positive thinking. And talking. Something people don't do. They don't talk on the phone. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like. And I, I did make an effort so far this year, like to cultivate friendships, it, my old friends, my new friends, trying to make the effort uh, to do that. How old is your to. oldest friend that you talk to? Um, Not in age, but in the terms of how long you know each other. Well, my friend Bramson, we just had lunch a couple of weeks ago. I've known him since like I was 12. That's cool. I've known wow. Brazello, my friend who's a coach of the Cubs since like he was so like 79, 1979. Dope. So I try to keep up with like my college friends. And I mean, that's a good thing about Facebook somewhat. You can keep up with some people. Yeah. But I also feel like in terms of like, if I keep doing well in comedy, they'll be able to, they'll see me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, I got a chance. You got to get that all they the time. Be, are they dying off now, Birdie, your college friends? Dying <laughs> off? <laughs> uh, got to get, got to keep doing well. Keep them alive. Well, yeah, I've had a couple friends die, but. Like, <laughs> me too, Birdie, me too, me too. <laughs> there she have. is, Annie Letterman. Hi, guys. Kim and Mean. Hello, what's up? Annie Letterman. What up? We've been having a really. Amy Letterman. We've been having a fun podcast. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, good conversation, uplifting. <laughs> Redo everything. Tell me everything you said. We talk a lot of comedy store stuff. Then we morphed into. I was learning a lot. I'm just into learning. I feel like Tate asked the most questions. Like you, you Tate was great. Well, yeah. I get, I get. It. I mean, it's it's not always that you get to like sit like you know I see you guys in passing, and so to sit down and have a conversation, ask questions about like what it is to build, uh, you know, a set and all. Like, yeah. Just, you know. Yeah. I was so glad was you, cool. yeah, Tate like took over in a good way. And then, like, yeah. took, but he was like the point guard. Well, Brody, you're different than other people. You, you're like a riffer too. You have your jokes and then you do a, a very different, you have a different style. It's good. I can riff because that's how my mind is. Yeah. We were talking about well, that. Well, it's like, better to do that, to be yourself. Like, right. Cause if you were to go in and try to do just like showcase that every night, you'd probably go crazy. Right. Correct. So it's good to like lean in. Did you watch the Jeff, uh, not Jeff, the Gary Shandling I didn't. I haven't seen it yet, but it's I great. The di he diaries. said something along the lines of like um, he would just go in with whatever he felt that day. Like he would just be true to like how he felt, and I yeah. think that's been. Except sometimes I don't know. I'll tell you what. I, 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 like, I do. You don't want to see me cry. Why are you not <laughs> laughing and weeping and saying nothing Literally. funny? That's hilarious. Also, look at the tits on this side. You guys are killing it. Oh, thanks. Oh, thank you. Everyone's in good shape. It's the booby side. I I didn't. Uh, Gary Shanley, I mean, everyone knew who he was and all that stuff, and I didn't. I have not seen the. That dialogues. wasn't your friend that died. Well, think. Well, he actually was a friend because he would go to the UCLA baseball games a lot. Okay. If, if you here, this is what I, my advice to comedians or actors: you want to meet agents and and executives. Go to Sucks UCLA. Someday. Oh, sorry. Go to go to UCLA baseball games. They go they go all to the UCLA baseball games. The big heads of MTV and That's Comedy so Central. That's so creepy, dude. I had a roommate like that who would, she would like show up weird places where she knew agents would be. Like she would wow. stalk. She would do like internet stalking. I'm not gonna say her name, but she would do internet stalking. This was years and years ago, and I thought it was so crazy. 
she would find out like where an agent, a commercial agent would be. And she would, she would find out what music they like from internet. And she would show up like listening to their music. Oh, wow. And then they'd be like, what are you listening to? And she'd be like this or whatever. And I'm like, this psycho. She also stole my metric. It's card. psycho, but it's genius. Like- no, but listen, <laughs> she's, I saw her go by on a fucking bus today. She's about to be the most, I'll never tell her name, but she's about to be the most famous human on earth. It, that's really smart networking. I think honestly, I mean, it's so dishonest. And Send disgusting. her to the Papa Roach it's concert. Not <laughs> listen, don't listen. I'll take to the death. Papa Roach saved my life. Number one. I like Puddle of Mud. I've seen them in concert. <laughs> Are they Christian? No. Not that I know of. I mean, they're not Jewish. Yeah. They don't they advertise it. Yeah. Papa Roach, man. And you've been doing... <laughs> Annie, you came <laughs> in here. You were here... Be, Jesus. You were here... Religious experience. You were here in the beginning. You were very excited. You've been, like, very positive, And you've been, like... Yeah, I've been Have you turned good. over a new leaf? I've Is turned over recent? a new leaf, yes. I'm being... I'm gonna... I realize that I've been angry. And just the anger is, number one, the reason why I don't have the things I want in my life. It's my fault. Everything in my life that I don't have is completely on me. Mm-hmm. And that I've been using anger as a way to procrastinate and a way to hang on to things that have hurt me because I get some sort of benefit out of that. But that benefit does not pay my fucking bills. So enough of that shit. And like not, I just focus on all the people that dislike me and I think about them and I let them take up all the space <laughs> in my fucking head. You did. You mean you did. You don't You're anymore. not now. Well, I'm, guys, this is like two weeks in. So let's, oh, okay. And when I say two weeks, I'm stretching. She's like, I'm still bit. at least three quarters full with names. But I'm there. like, listen, there's a specific bitch, but no, but no, but seriously, like I'm just, I'm letting go of all that because why am I giving these people energy? If I'm not your type, you're not mine, you know, like, bye. Right. And why am I thinking about that when there's all these people that love me, all these people that believe in me, all these people that like enjoy me. Enjoy. So, why am I going? I would go on stage and be like, pro- just projecting like, <laughs> like you raped me, you hate me, you did this, onto the audience of people that came there to see me, to see me. It's yeah. crazy. So now, since I saw Papa Roach and how positive they were, I am now. <laughs> is Papa Roach the wow. same as Uncle Cracker? No. Do I need not to see Papa, Papa Roach. Apparently, it's listen, they're the best. I know them. But Annie, is this different from? Because you put out on on Instagram that you've been haven't had a drink for what 10, 10 years? 10 years baby. Congratulations. Well, there was wow. one time I was hanging out with Charlie Murphy and Donnell Rollins and I was like getting uncomfortable because everyone was drinking <laughs> and leaning and we had bottle service at a place. So I had a I went to reach for my cranberry juice and I took a sip of a vodka cranberry. Yeah. Just moved, by accident. Cranberry it was does that. Yeah, I had no clue. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking. <laughs> and it was very recently sober. Sneaky. I I put it right I shoved it right in my pussy. <laughs> I was like, why do these guys keep hitting on me? Not right. Donnell. Never. Never. But this is different from that. The, 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 what you're talking about now. It has, I think it has to do with it. I think it's all kind of like, uh, I don't know. Interconnected, it's all, yeah. related. Well, that's know. good. Tate, my friend Tate, helped me get sober 10 years ago. Aww. He's been my friend 15 years. I have so many crazy things. She only remembers things. 10 of it. Yeah, what about the first five? <laughs> she only remembers. Oh, I remember some of it, Tate, you annoying piece of shit. <laughs> but um, so then, so even today, I'm like texting Tate. He gave me some good advice yesterday. I'm texting him. And then he just drives up. I didn't know he was coming. It was there fun. There you go. So cool. Tate it all, and I have it a all thing. came together. Yeah. Tate's my boy. I love that. Annie Letterman joining us. Literally like seven minutes before whatever. Like right, like the text is coming in. I'm driving by. Yeah, I parked. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, it's fun. I um, this was a was a great podcast. This is one that uh, I think is going to get some good downloads. <laughs> it was fun. Can it's I say one more thing about? You should anger? probably preview it to future guests and be like, just like this good. Yeah, like I this think you should yeah. redo it again. Yeah. I told you yeah. I want to hear it again. But this is what I want to say about anger. When you're angry, this is what I've noticed. You're literally it's just something you're pissed about yourself, right? What are oh, you angry yeah. about? 
another person's actions. You have no control over those. Why would you be angry? They cut me off. I'm trying to get someplace. Well, why are you putting, uh, why are you putting expectations on a stranger in a car to not cut you off? But also when they cut you off, it's usually because like if you're angry, it's because you're running late, which is probably right. your fault. Exactly. You were right. Bingo. So it all right. comes back to I was you. Set, I was setting you up for that. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Boom. High five. Look at that. Yes. <laughs> Comedy professional. Because <laughs> when you're running late, that's, you know. Yeah. yeah every time I'm Sign mad that dog. I'm running late, I'm like, this is yeah. your own fault, bitch. Yeah. You, you waited. Also, you probably should have cut them off first. But I had to go to the bathroom. Yeah, well, too a lot bad. of me running late is yeah. bathroom. You well, you need to UTI. handle your bowels, dude. More cranberry juice. Yeah, you're probably right. Cranberry. More fiber. I'm thinking it's backwards. I'm thinking it's the backside it's bathroom. The poo poos. I could, I could use more fiber. <laughs> <laughs> Very important. People. I think we could all use. We more. all could. Positive push. Yep. That's what that meant. Makes Positive push. Good. Is fiber. It feels good. If you get a good clean exit, there's nothing feels better than that. Listen, guys, you're right. You know, you got to be careful with this caveman coffee. You're gonna get hemorrhoids. You gotta be <laughs> oh careful. my god, that shit is extreme. You should sell caveman fiber to go with it. That'd be great. That's a good idea. Sprinkle it in. Mm. Well, um, <laughs> great podcast. This is where we uh, say if you have anything to promote or where you want to be, where you will be. Oh, um, you know, just follow me at Kate Q Funny. I'll be at a Blue Room Comedy Club Valentine's Day weekend. That's my next road date in Springfield, Missouri. Yeah. What's yeah. it called? Blue what? Blue Room Comedy Club. Blue Room. She's going to give some blue balls at Hell Blue Room. Yeah. Oh, and of course, Date Boom. Fails, my podcast. Listen date to that. Date Fails. My name is Tate Fletcher. You can find me on Instagram. And then uh, Caveman Coffee is my company. Caveman Coffee Co. on Instagram. And uh, Pirate Life Radio is my podcast. Enjoy Ow. it. Tate Fletcher. Annie. All right, I'm Annie Letterman. You can hit me up on Instagram, A-N-N-I-E-L-E-D as in David, E-R-M-A-N. Um, I don't know where I'm going to We got be. a little taste of Annie here. What about Gino? Gino. Speedweed. Speedweed.com, at Speedweed on Twitter. Thanks. Enjoy that. <laughs> Wait, Kate, do people try to just like have sex with you constantly after the show? Are they just all dudes? You, like, do you mean right now? Like, are we obligated <laughs> to yeah. something, Brody? What do we, I mean? I don't know. I mean, we do. We do are they just like, it's Did just you like meet and greets the, are weird? You didn't hear about the after party that we're having? <laughs> we have a photo session. No, yeah. is that meet and greets are weird probably, huh? Um, Sometimes. It really depends. But it's not as much as you would think. To yeah. But that's because I'm. that's because I scare the fuck out of them yeah. on stage. But like, also I don't mean, get murdered. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, they or come. Or get murdered at the right time. I sell merch the right before time. the show. He's so scared of a woman. <laughs> you do not. It is weird. No, you don't. Hold the receipt if you don't like it. You've gotten too I successful. Mean, I even say, I honestly even say it on stage. Like, they come thinking like, oh, I would, she's kind of cute. Maybe I'd date her. And by the end of the show, they're like, fuck, she's going to murder me. <laughs> like, there's no, nobody really hits on me. Uh, it, women, just women. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, mostly women. Well, your like therapist that. thinks you're a lesbian. Literally. Yeah. Ask okay. me four times in two hours if I'm a lesbian. That's that's, is your therapist hitting that's on you? Once every think? thirty minutes. No, definitely not. Did you tell her not. how much you did the pussy? Or it's what? a guy. Oh, okay. Ooh, no, I just I said creepy. that I bonded with a girl over the. I was telling the story of like how I, I feel made like this it's new girlfriend. To him. No, but he, he crossed just, the line. No, I think he just was like trying to. He was like, "And have you been with a woman? And how was it? Did you like it? Are you? Do you think you're a lesbian?" I was like, yeah, "Where was is he, this? Was he <laughs> masturbating? <laughs> yeah, like we're all like, no. are like, you a walking? He's like, say number? it. He's like, say what? it slower. <laughs> I know how it sounds. Can you I, say it in an accent? But it is funny because I put out a lesbian. I get hit on by more women. I get hit on by so many women. It's insane. Like all kinds of lesbians. So I just put out a vibe. I do it too. I think it's like, it might be a comedy thing. It's our voice. Maybe yeah, you two should hook voices. up. Thanks, bro. Right now? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I never said I wasn't a lesbian. No, I tried. I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm not either. Eric, Eric Aligny, you want to promote anything? I'm 
Uh, y'all need to go on the Festival of Friendship, YouTube, download all the stuff. Oh, he's promoting the podcast. Of course, that's where you got to do. Promote the podcast. By the way, hey, good please, job on promoting the podcast. If you go on there, please, job. let's go and uh, put a five-star rating on the YouTube and on the iTunes just so we can get up there. Come and on if now. I'm your there Uber you driver yeah. Subscribe later. and review. Yeah. Add Eric Oligny on everything. Eric had a great week. Tampa opening for Russell Peters. Oh. You got it. It was fun. 2,000 people at the Strauss Center. He's such a great dude. At the stress center? I got a lot of akarashes and (laughs) bigashes. It was cool. Enjoy. Well, uh, my name is Brody, Stephen Brody Stevens. You can find me on Twitter. Brody is my friend. I'll be in Seattle doing laughs up there later this month. Actually, I'm doing Glendale, Arizona, Stir Crazy Comedy Club. Then I'm doing Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm trying to book more road gigs. You can find me at the Comedy Store. You can find me here on All Things Comedy. Valley Vibes, check that video out, All Things Comedy. Mm-hmm. And uh, really had a great podcast. Yeah. Really um, went, I'm not going to say better than I thought, but. <laughs> um, better than Eric thought. Cold. That's I'm, cold. I'm, no, I, I'm very, I'm very pleased with it. I felt like it was a real, real good I'm podcast. I'm so glad you guys had me. Can I plug one more thing? I feel like I've done this three times already yeah. when you're trying to end the podcast. Yes, you can. <laughs> Um, I'm starting a new podcast on all things comedy that should be coming out in the next couple of weeks. So Are you taking my time slot? I'm going to take your time <laughs> slot. <laughs> and I'm going to call it Brody Stevens it. Podcast. Yeah. With you no friends, it. with enemies. Ooh, enemies. Well, listen, have a great week. Thanks for coming out, guys. This Thanks was fun. I had a great time. Brody. You picked up my spirits today, and yeah. I needed it. Aww. So let's have a great week. Have a great year, 2019. And go Rams. Yeah, baby. You got it. Rams. Yes. Yeah.